2: Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to blacktalkradio network.com, helping you filter through the noise. Real
3: talk. Black talk.
4: Oh, but God works in mysterious ways. 12 years ago today, a
5: Democratic presidential candidate gave what some have called one of the best political speeches of all time. It was by Barack Obama. It was all about race, a speech called a more perfect union. But a lot has changed since then when it comes to how America talks about race. And that got NPR's Sam Sanders wondering, does that speech hold
6: up today?
7: Flashback to this time in 2008. It's not Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders. It's Hillary and Barack. Barack Obama had won the Iowa caucuses and the South Carolina primary. And the thinking was he'd be able to build a multiracial coalition and win the presidency. But then this story came out of nowhere. Tapes of Obama's longtime pastor saying things like this
8: not god bless america god damn america that's in the bible for killing innocent people god damn america for treating our citizens as less than human god damn
9: america i was in
10: headquarters in chicago a bunch of us from the communications team press team just stood around someone's tv watching it and we're like holy
7: that's john favreau he is now the head of crooked media and the host of the podcast Pod Save America. But back then, he was Obama's chief speechwriter. And they had a big problem on their hands. Reverend Jeremiah Wright was the pastor of the Trinity United Church of Christ in Chicago. He had married the Obamas and baptized their children. And so these tapes that were leaked of Wright from old sermons, they became perfect fodder for Obama's opponents on the left and the right. America's
8: chickens
7: are coming home. Loosed. Ultimately, it was decided that this Revan Wright problem would need a big solution. Obama called up Favreau and gave him the ideas for an entire speech about race in America.
10: Even though the guy said he was going to give me stream of consciousness thoughts, he goes, here's what I want to say. 1, 1A, one 2, 2B, two C. And he starts going through this incredibly detailed outline for an hour on
4: the phone. That became this. We the people in order to form a more perfect union.
7: A more perfect union was delivered on March 18, 2008. That phrase comes from the Constitution, but the speech was very much about Obama's own nuanced story.
4: I'm the son of a black man from Kenya and a white woman from Kansas.
7: The big idea of the speech was that to move forward on race, all of America would have to forgive each other and come together. On that theme, there is a section of the speech where Obama compares Reverend Wright, who had said all those incendiary things, to his grandmother.
4: I can no more disown him than I can disown the black community. I can no more disown him than I can disown disown my white grandmother. A woman who helped raise me. And this story gets really nuanced. But a woman who once confessed her fear of black men who passed her by on the street, and who on more than one occasion has uttered racial or ethnic stereotypes that made me cringe. These people are part of me,
7: and they are part of America, this country that I love. Depending on who you ask, there would be no President Obama without a more perfect union. But when I hear that speech now, I wonder if it would still work today. Since that speech, the Black Lives Matter movement happened, Charlottesville happened, that is a long way away from just forgiving your white grandmother's racist comments. So I called up someone who literally wrote the book on this speech. Well, technically, she was the editor. Tracy Sharpley Whiting is a humanities professor at Vanderbilt University. That book, it's called The Speech. When the speech was done, there were already folks saying, it's Obama's Gettysburg Address, whatever, whatever. Did you have those feelings?
11: No, I did not. <laughs>
7: okay, <laughs> explain, explain.
11: Because I think the Gettysburg Address and other things, there was so much at stake at those moments. And For me, what was at stake was the candidacy of a man who aspired to be president of the United States.
7: But Professor Sharpley Whiting told me that Obama... In that moment, in 08, on the cusp of the presidency, he kind of got a pass.
11: He was symbolic of something that was necessary and needed. And for black folks, oftentimes the symbol is more important than what cashing the check might also deliver. And so Obama was never forced to cash a certain check in a certain way by black people.
7: Alicia Garza is one of those black people who, for years, has been asking Barack Obama to cash that check. She is currently a principal with the Black Futures Lab, but she's perhaps most well known as one of the co-founders of the Black Lives Matter movement. Garza told me this one moment in the speech. It really sums up the way in which, on race, Obama perhaps got it wrong. Barack Obama actually
12: makes this comment. He says, you know, the problem wasn't that Reverend Wright made these comments. The problem is that it views America as static.
4: He spoke as if our society was static,
7: as if no progress had been made.
4: But actually, in a
12: lot of ways, racism is the thing that has endured.
7: For Garza, Obama didn't do enough to tell people, all people, how much so much of our lives are still built upon racism and discrimination. I did find one part of this speech that holds up maybe no matter which way you come at it. I called up an old classmate of mine. Her name is Jasmine Beach Ferrara. She is now the head of a group called the Campaign for Southern Equality, an LGBTQ rights group. We were grad students in 08 when that speech was given, and a professor of ours stopped class twice in one week just so we could break down that speech line by line. Jasmine said the speech, in at least one way, it still speaks perfectly to this moment.
11: We're living in a moment where there's so much tendency to be reductive or essentialist around identity or around
7: partisanship,
11: meaning here's the identity you possess, therefore this must be what you think
12: or here's the party you're registered with, therefore this must be what you think.
7: She told me the best parts of this speech are Obama, using the nuance in his own story to speak to the nuance that exists in all of our stories. To me, it opens up
11: the sort of possibilities around where we
7: go together. If you look at it that way, maybe Obama's big race speech, 12 years old today, maybe it is still one for the books. Sam Sanders, NPR News.
4: I don't want us to lose sight that things are getting better. Uh, Each successive generation uh, seems to be making progress in changing attitudes when it comes to race. It doesn't mean we're in a post-racial society. It doesn't mean that racism is eliminated. But, you know, when I talk to Malia and Sasha, uh, and I listen to their friends and I see them interact, Uh, they're better than we are. They're better than we were on these issues. And that's true in every community uh, that I've visited all across the country.
12: We used to hear the term post-racial a lot. Before that, it was colorblind. There are ways of ignoring differences and ignoring the reality of race. And Piers Hanna-Rosen of the podcast Invisibilia reports on lessons learned from a program that confronted the racial gulf head-on. The year was 1973 at the University of North Florida in Jacksonville. The new class on offer, Human Conflict, Black and White. It was taught by a man named Peter Kranz and inspired by the book Black Rage, written by two Black psychiatrists, William Greer and Price Cobbs. The idea was that Black people were enraged by all of it, racism, slavery, and the rage was suppressed and eating them away. And the first step to purging, the students were taught, was telling some basic truths.
13: You've been oppressed for so long, and then all of a sudden, someone gives you the opportunity to say what you feel. Oh, yeah, it was
12: liberating. Philip Mobley was 19 when he took the class. He'd grown up in Jacksonville, which in the 70s was still new to school busing, new to desegregating jails, with violent race rights in its recent history. As a kid, Philip's father had kept him sheltered mostly on the black side of town. But every once in a while, while out on errands, they would encounter a white person. Like this one day, when they went to a white butcher who got upset because they were late and she had somewhere else to be.
13: She talked to him like he was a child. She just yelled at him as a child. And he just said, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And when he got back in the car, I was just like, wait, why would you let this lady talk to you this way? And to him, his response was, I have to take care of my family.
12: So when Philip walked into the class he had absorbed the idea that speaking honestly to white people just wasn't an option. What kind of person were you? Very polite. I was kind of a nerd. But there was no room for polite in this class. Week 1. Confess your deepest thoughts on race. Week 2. Read the autobiography of Malcolm X. Discuss. Confess again. Week 3. Entertain a visit from a local Black Panther. Pour your heart out in your journal. Week 4. Visit a historically Black university. One of the more radical requirements was that each person in the class, five black people and five white people, had to stay in the house of a person of the other race for a week. Philip was so freaked out that he made sure he had a friend nearby as a lifeline.
13: I remember telling him, I said, when we get here, I need you to kind of ride around for about 30 minutes because I'm not comfortable going and staying with these white people.
12: But he did it. They all did it. They sat in the class week after week until all the feelings came out.
13: What was happening more is the white kids were feeling more emotional and embarrassed, and the black kids were being more assertive
12: and free. One of the white students in the class, Judy Benson, was 25 at the time. Had you ever been confronted by a black person before? No. You'd never been told the truth by a black person? No. What did it feel like on your body to be told the truth like that?
14: Is the biggest thing I can think of. Just mortifying.
12: And Judy admits that there were basic truths that they did not know about each other.
14: It came up that white people thought black people smell. But guess what? Black people think whites smell like wet dog.
13: I was the one that said that I thought that white people when they got wet smell like Our dog, because that's what I had heard.
12: They all got through the few weeks of Race 101, but the lasting takeaway?
13: I really didn't understand the value of the experience until many years later.
12: When he had a son who faced his own racist incidents at school, Philip was able to teach his son the value of confrontation, how not to get lost in the smallness of anger, but also how not to keep it in, because it can eat you from the inside.
13: We got to be able to address it, but at the same time... There has to be meaningful conversation behind it.
12: And that's the difference between what we think of as confrontation today, the fast, angry exchanges in the halls of Congress, or the threads on social media. The confrontation Philip and Judy learned was about the start of a process. You say the secret out loud to the person's face. You hear everyone in the room do that same thing. You sit and you listen. You walk away hurt or defensive, or maybe even still full of rage. But you just go back to class again the next week and work through it.
14: You know, by having to expose yourself and finding that you weren't going to drop through into an abyss, that makes you stronger.
12: Stronger for the next conversation or even the next confrontation. That's NPR's Hannah Rosen. She co hosts our Invisibilia podcast. Their new season tackles climate change, artificial intelligence, and racial divisions. And you can hear Invisibilia on NPR One
15: or wherever you listen to your podcasts. As your body
16: grows bigger, your mind must flower. It's great to learn because knowledge is
8: power. It's on your face.
1: School closings because of the pandemic have educators scrambling to shift quickly to online learning. But here in Mecklenburg County, as many as one in five students may lack the basic tools they need to work at home. Experts say that shines a spotlight on an underlying crisis, the digital divide. WFAE's David Borax has this
15: report. Most of us take for granted our home computers and high-speed Internet access. But in Mecklenburg County, census data and other surveys show that many households lack one or both.
3: I do not think we are prepared for this.
15: That's Bruce Clark, executive director of the Digital Charlotte Project at Queen's University. He says schools and organizations have been working to get computers and network connections to low-income students who need them. But the virus-induced hurry-up schedule makes it clear there's a lot left to do, says Clark.
10: We know that there are still tens of thousands of people, particularly when we think about students in CMS, who lack one of those critical elements needed to participate in a remote learning experience
15: based on census data and local surveys clark estimates that as many as 14,000 families in cms may not have a computer or internet access just as the school district launches online only classes not all will be online younger kids in cms will get learning packets at home cheryl dorsey is with the group black tech charlotte which promotes tech careers and startups for african-americans She's been working with Clark and helping to draw attention to the digital divide.
17: This is going to have a tremendous impact on families. So as these kids are making transitions to being at home, if you don't have access, how are you going to
18: complete your lessons and continue to keep up with your studies?
15: CMS has acquired thousands of Chromebook computers that could be distributed in the coming days. Some local Internet providers also have offered free or reduced rate pricing to families, which could help. Another group that's helping is the nonprofit e E2D for Eliminate the Digital Divide, which in recent years has handed out thousands of refurbished corporate computers to families in need. Pat Millen is E2D's co-founder.
19: Lack of digital access is one of the main remaining social injustices as it relates to upward mobility for Charlotte. And so if we weren't motivated enough to come up with a complete solution before, we certainly should be now.
15: Millen is optimistic and says increased awareness of the digital divide could be a silver lining for this coronavirus cloud. For WFAE News, I'm David Borax.
1: This is WFAE's Morning Edition. I'm Lisa Worf. It's now the fourth day public schools in North Carolina have been closed to limit the spread of the coronavirus. Eric Davis, the chairman of the North Carolina Board of Education, says the school system is doing everything it can to deliver instruction, but that the closure has highlighted inequities across the state in delivering distance learning to students. He joins us now. Good morning, Mr. Davis. Good morning. How is the state school system doing in responding to this crisis?
10: Well, I think over the last three days, there's been a tremendous amount of heroic effort um, in school districts across our state in the uh, DPI team in Raleigh, uh, responding to the governor's executive order to close their schools. Um, I've seen such uh, creative, thoughtful, and effective um, decision-making around moving quickly to respond to the closures. Uh, teachers have risen to the occasion. Administrators are doing a, an awesome job. Um, there are many questions that still need to be answered, and we're working hard on closing those gaps.
5: What
1: are the biggest gaps you're seeing now?
10: Well, the biggest gaps in terms of instructional delivery are uh, access to the internet. Uh, many of our students don't have that in their homes or or in their communities. There's also issues with uh, providing enough devices. Not all of our districts are one to one and so and so that's a challenge and then and on re- those
1: fronts, how are our efforts going on
18: that?
10: Yeah, a tremendous amount of effort. Uh, one is the we're uh, finding ways to create hotspots. Some things as straightforward, as uh, deploying buses that that have those devices. Finding other means uh, from providers to create hotspots. Also, there's some private providers that have stepped up and offered access. We can get the families to sign on to those services. So there's an array of of efforts underway right now to extend broadband access and on devices, a similar effort of uh, identifying those devices and trying to get them in the hands of students. There's also um, a lot of work that may not be yet evident to the public around uh, teachers um, redesigning their, their lessons and uh, moving them to a more digital format. There's a lot of work going on there. What does that work look like at this point? Um, there are... Um, as, as simple as um, videoing uh, lessons so that they can be delivered through uh, through a, a channel that the state's setting up or shared among teachers. There's a it's part of our website. Uh, there, I don't know if it's up yet, but there will be soon a, a place that teachers can go and both share their lesson plans and retrieve them. Um, there's. Uh, we're also looking at the potential for some providers to assist us in that.
11: And
1: you have a new emergency power now. If schools have to close for all or most of the rest of the school year, is there any way students will get a full year's education?
10: So we're working on a number of strategies. One, to obviously continue the education during the school closure period, uh, however long that lasts, that's uh, up to the governor. And then uh, potential strategies in case he makes a different decision and so we're doing everything we can to um, deliver to students uh, instruction. But, um, but we're aware that there are tremendous gaps in the system in our ability to be able to deliver um, education services in this environment to, to all students. And we're factoring that into not only how do we close the gap, but uh, in future decisions about how we operate the system.
1: So if you can't deliver that full year's education, what are the options then?
10: Uh, we're exploring those at this time. It's premature for me to comment on what the specific options might be, um, but we're we're
1: exploring all at this time. Do you think North Carolina should continue with standardized testing this year? Those are the the tests used to grade schools?
10: Yeah, that's a decision we're weighing right now. Uh, we're looking at, at all aspects of that. I see real challenges in being able, with, with those challenges we just described, I see real challenges with being able to continue on the standard path of assessing our students at the end of the year. But we're in discussions with federal authorities um, on how to obtain a, what's necessary in order to obtain a waiver and, and also uh, talking with our state lawmakers.
1: What lessons have you learned so far in this scramble over the last week?
10: Well, it has clearly highlighted the inequities that we have across the state and being able to deliver distance learning to students and that we've got to uh, frankly use this crisis as the means to close those gaps and and provide access for all students. What I've also seen is just a tremendous effort of team members of our team taking care of students and taking care of each other and all the Mets of taking care of their own families. Um, it, it, the resolve of North Carolinians to rise to the occasion is uh, certainly admirable.
1: That's North Carolina Board of Education Chairman Eric Davis. Thanks, Mr. Davis.
10: My
20: pleasure. Thank you. Well, it's finally happened. The zombie apocalypse is here. But you're prepared. you got your knives and your swords and your shotguns and your
21: tactical carbines and your guns and your knives and your your ammunition.
20: This is On the Media. I'm Brooke Gladstone.
21: And I'm Bob Garfield. Whatever else we've learned amid this pandemic is that the world was and remains woefully unprepared. But not everyone in the world. For one cohort, COVID-19 has presented the very crisis and inevitable chaos they've long waited for, sometimes called the big one. They are preppers, also known as survivalists, who stockpile food, guns, and emergency equipment in expectation of the eventual collapse of society. Our producer, Micah Lowinger immersed himself in the Prepper media sphere. Hey, Micah. Hi, Bob. So, you've been reading Prepper blogs, reading Prepper fiction, listening to Prepper podcasts, and watching Prepper YouTubers. Anything that's jumped out at you? Well, the first thing that struck me
22: was a kind of subdued glee. Here's a guy who calls himself John Jacob Schmidt, founder of Amron, a secretive prepper ham radio network.
9: The preppers were being made fun of before. Now the people that are easier to make fun of are the people that are panicking.
22: I also listened to Forrest Garvin, the founder of PrepperNet, a platform that organizes local prepper meetups all around the country.
21: We knew this day was coming. Some of us have lived for this day. And
22: this is Jack Spearco, host of the Survival podcast which claims to reach
23: 250,000 daily listeners. You are an irresponsible ass clown if you don't have at least 20 to 30 days of staying power. One
22: prepper influencer emailed me and said, we're not the ones rushing to the supermarket, all panicked, hoarding all the toilet paper. We were the people who were stocked up months ago, years ago, and we're sharing with our friends and family. The AP and the New York Times have run stories quoting preppers saying things like, our time has come. We're ready. People are asking for our help now.
21: Ah, so there's your barely suppressed glee, kind of. Uh, who's the crackpot now? Mmm, these canned goods are so delicious. But apart from the shot in Freud, but apart from the shot Freud, I-, I can't imagine that anyone in this crisis could really be gleeful. It isn't that, is it?
22: Every time I encountered that line, you know, our time has come on a prepper podcast, it was also coupled with real concern, confusion, conflicting information.
23: We can't do our jobs effectively if we start from a point that is divorced from reality. Calm the F down.
4: I'm telling you, God has not given us the spirit of fear. We're not supposed to be afraid. You need to have the knowledge to be able to protect your family in all circumstances.
21: I'm wondering about irony, because if this culture follows Fox News and the like, until a couple of days ago, they've been told that the pandemic is mostly political hype stirred by the media in conspiracy with the deep state and the left. Did they even believe in the catastrophe that they've been preparing for? You know, they're assessing the
22: risk, but who exactly they should listen to, who they should trust has been a source of tension.
4: Some days you look at the news, it's taken over the world. We're all going to die. A tension between
22: a fundamental distrust of the government and the hyper-partisan urge to defend President Trump, take him at his word, even as he downplayed messaging from the World Health Organization.
4: You watched Trump yesterday. He just kind of made a 180 degree turn and said, well, it's not that bad. Don't worry about it. We got it handled.
22: I heard this story about how the media and the deep state are intentionally sabotaging the stock market to hurt Trump's re-election chances.
23: The left is literally sal—it's disgusting. But the left is literally salivating over the opportunity they have,
22: or that coronavirus had been concocted. In an American lab by liberal elites to combat overpopulation. And so the more time I spent in this prepper media sphere, the less I bought into the narrative that this group of people are uniquely prepared for the pandemic. In fact, I spoke with one expert who told me that coronavirus has rattled the prepper world to its very core.
24: I'm an ethnographer. And I spent about 12 years in the field with right-wing paramilitary organizations, survivalists, uh, etc., I was a member. I was a participant observer. I belonged.
22: Richard Mitchell Jr. is professor emeritus of sociology at Oregon State University and author of Dancing at Armageddon, Survivalism and Chaos in Modern Times. He thinks that preppers were never really prepared for this moment and that the whole idea of survivalism has been turned on its head by coronavirus. Bear with me while I spool out his argument. It's Really psychoanalytical, but I think it helps explain some of the things we were just talking about. I'll start with what's probably the most famous depiction of this subculture the National Geographic TV series called Doomsday Preppers. We're
10: going
25: to be the people that other people are going to come to when the Savannah. <laughs>
24: Let's
22: learn from the Doomsday Preppers.
24: Season premiere Tuesday at 9. <laughs> We had very long discussions with the producers on that series. You know, we talked about the phenomenon of survivalism, and then they went out and created that utter fabrication. It was made to match what the expectations were about what were people were going to
22: find. The show mocked more than anything else. It was a punching bag, depicting people acting out their fantasies in the least charitable way possible. What's that? Not hatch. Today, Michael is teaching Emily about the importance of the Robin's
0: distress call which he believes could give the family a full five minutes to prepare for any approaching danger. All right, this one's not out, but tell me what it is, because it's really important. Ready?
14: Woman's
17: alarm?
25: Yeah, know that one. That means somebody's coming with a lot of angry energy, okay?
22: The New York Times called the series, quote, anti-life and, quote, full of contempt for humankind. Mitchell felt that Nat Geo didn't make an earnest attempt to understand why people spend so much of their time and resources prepping. And this is before coronavirus, of course.
24: First of all, it's not a response to fear. People are not running away from. They're not uh, escaping. They're, in fact, looking for something that is missing in their life. Modern culture comes to us all packaged and ready-made. We've got Big Macs and election year politicians and stock trades and we're given an opportunity to really only consume culture. And for most people, that's a comfortable notion. But it leaves us aimless and rootless and formless and some people would say useless. Survivalists resist this. They want a place between a rock and a hard spot. A place of resistance, a kind of a firm gritty antithesis against which they can test their talents and engage their gumption. Imagining a kind of a hands-on grappling with hypothetical troubles ahead gives them a sense of purpose.
22: He says what survivalists prepare for, you know, the end-of-society scenario that they imagine is deeply personal.
24: People tell stories that match the resources that they have. So if you have uh, chainsaws and pickup truck and a and an assault rifle, why then there's some sort of foreign invaders, or some sort of uh, hostile entity where we're going to need to be independent on our farm and chop wood and repel the enemy.
22: I should add, there's definitely a spectrum here. I spoke with a 51 year old prepper living in Pennsylvania who told me that the disaster he imagines is losing power for a few months and not being able to get to the supermarket or the pharmacy. Compare that with. A much more extravagant story of a chemical engineer, Mitchell calls him Major Suds in his book, who fantasized about a terrorist organization poisoning his city's water supply. He had stockpiled the chemicals necessary to clean up the poison and save the city.
24: Because he was an engineer and he knew all this stuff, he invented a scenario to go with his talent. I mean, I could tell you hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, but they all match what people have as their
22: resources. But how is that calculus shifting in the face of coronavirus? Because you can't make up a story anymore. It doesn't work. We only have one thing that's going
24: on. We can't talk about invaders or floods or EMP now. We've got coronavirus. And it's not hypothetical, it's actually happening. So how does that
22: change how people are preparing? People didn't
24: prepare. Understand that? No survivalist ever did survivalism. They lived in the life of fantasy. Nobody ever came to the end of the world, or fought off the invaders, or started a farm, or did any of those things, did they? Any of those things that you saw on the National Geographic channel, was any of that real? No, it was all what we're going to do in the future. But the future never came.
22: But the future's come now. so what...
24: Exactly my point. All of those stories that they told don't work anymore. Now we have one tale, and we have one empirical phenomena, and everybody has to recalibrate their tales. They're retelling the news conspiracy tales to kind of regain control of the narrative,
22: and it's hard to do. So we're starting over. Preparation starts now.
24: no. There isn't any time for preparation. One of the things about survivalism is always comfortably in the future, but not so far in the future that there isn't some urgency. Well, we're facing coronavirus. We're facing a phenomenon that is right now.
21: Mitchell's saying that now that we're actually in the soup, the preppers aren't really prepared? A lot of people are ironing
22: out the kinks in their preps, and that might mean... Picking up a lot of gear that you didn't have before. If you spend any time in the prepper media sphere, it's hard not to notice just how many opportunists are out there beating their drum right now. This is a cash
21: grab moment. To play, not necessarily to the prepper crowd, but to sudden onset survivalists to exploit the paranoia to sell them a whole bunch of stuff that they don't really need. It's hard to
22: say who exactly is scrambling right now, but some people on the other end are making big bucks. Guns and ammo, gold, silver, homeopathic supplements. Oh, yeah, all of the above. I've been looking at some of the online prepper stores, and just all kinds of products are sold out. Like a 100-person survival kit sold out. Anti-break-in reinforcements for, you know, your front door, sold out. Solar ovens that when the power goes out, you can convert the heat from the sun to cook, sold out. I spoke to the owner of DoomsdayPrep.com, one of the many online stores that carries hazmat suits and other hardcore prepper products, he told me that business has never been so good.
23: If you were a person who,
26: you know, was getting up there in age and you find yourself in a high-risk population or you have uh, other comorbidities, then something like this in this would definitely be... Uh, a life saving option. Now this, this
22: YouTuber, he goes by the name Canadian Prepper, pitched his 360,000 subscribers on military grade gas masks, which conveniently he sells in his own online store. Even the more mainstream influencers have gotten into the prepper game. Khloe Kardashian has used her Instagram empire to advertise Judy, a sleek, urban, millennial focused brand.
5: So I wanted to share something with you. This is a Judy box. This is basically an emergency kit with everything and anything you could want in case of an emergency.
22: I just checked the Judy website and their cheaper products are already sold out. Like, for example?
23: Uh, Like a prepper fanny pack. (laughs) And if you're listening to somebody that's telling you, here's all the things that you need to buy. And by the way, pay me for that information or buy it from me you probably should stop listening to that source.
22: That's prepper Jack Spierko again. Rather than cashing in, he seems to be playing the long game. There was one fascinating episode of his show, The Survival Podcast, in which he argues that rushing the market was the mistake that prepper companies made in the lead up to Y2K. Companies that advertised like it was the end of the world didn't last that long after the 2000s when, you know, the world didn't end.
23: And by 2008... 95% or more of them were gone. They didn't exist. And I said really, really quick to myself, hey, self, you can't build a business on preparedness with this model because when the crisis du jour goes away, right,
21: then you are going to go away too if you build on hype and crisis only. So basically panic sells, but if you push panic too hard, the market will eventually punish you. Exactly. Exactly.
22: His podcast slogan is the things we can all do to live a better life if times get tough or even if they don't. He doesn't think coronavirus is actually the big one. And the other prepper podcasters that I've been listening to seem to agree. If the people who claim to know the most about the end times don't think it's coming quite yet, I think I find solace
21: in that. (laughs) At a time like this, I guess I do, too. Micah, thank
27: you. Thanks, Bob. This is Can't Stop, Won't Stop Hoarding.
6: Anyone who's gone grocery shopping in the U.S. in recent days has likely encountered long lines and empty shelves. But as Amna Navaz reports, the problem right now is not one of supply. Judy, stores
5: say that most shortages are temporary and due strictly to an unprecedented surge in buying, as panicked consumers rush to stock up on items they feared could soon be hard to find or hard to reach. So, how much product is in the pipeline and when might shelves be restocked? To help answer those critical questions, Greg Ferreira, president of the National Grocers Association, which represents over 1,500 independent grocers operating nearly 9,000 stores, he's here with us now. And thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So, people will walk into stores and see empty shelves or seeing these pictures all over social media. Why is that happening and how quickly are they being reshelved?
26: Great question. Our supply chain is experiencing truly unprecedented uh, event with this crisis. Uh, we have never seen levels like this across the United States. Uh, and that is actually impacting the supply chain. So when you go into a store, so if you see empty, empty shelves, it's taken us a while uh, to get the product flowing through the supply chain back to the stores. But it is coming. It is coming to, uh, through our warehouses. It is coming to the stores. There is plenty of supply in the supply chain. We just need time to catch up.
5: So it's not the food isn't there, it's just getting it to the shelves.
26: There is plenty of food, and there is plenty of food in the pipeline. Uh, We're getting it to the shelves quickly. It's just going off the shelves as quickly as we get it on there.
5: So talk to me and talk to consumers out there now who say, well, look, I'm trying to reduce the number of times I go to the store. I'm supposed to be social distancing. I will go now and buy a month's worth of groceries instead of going every week. What's wrong with that approach?
26: So that's the problem. The problem is we do have people who are buying a month's worth of groceries as opposed, opposed to a week's worth of groceries. And we ask people just to remain calm. Buy what you need for this week for a week and a half take care of yourself and that allows us to catch up allows us to get the supply chain restocked get product back on stores uh, and that also helps your neighbor, right? Your neighbor is looking for the same stuff you're looking for. Give us time. Uh, buy what you need now. We want you to take care of yourself, and we'll have product back on the shelves very soon.
5: We all have to take care of each other, right? What about ripple effects down the line? If transport is disrupted, if the food supply chain is disrupted further, the longer this goes on, can it be harder to resupply those shelves?
26: So here's the good thing about uh, our food supply in the United States. For the most part, most, most of the food is produced domestically and even regionally and locally. So we have a very strong supply chain. That supply chain uh, is has a lot of redundancies in place, and so we feel very confident about that. We've also been working with the government, both federal, state, and local, to ensure that grocery stores, food manufacturers are considered what we call tier one responders. So they're able to be essential workers, uh, and we can get them to our plants, to our stores, and make sure the product's getting through to consumers.
5: So when you say tier one employees there, I wanted to ask you about some news I read in Vermont and Minnesota. They basically said everyone who works in the grocery store is now an emergency worker. That means they're eligible for things like free childcare, so they can go out and do their jobs. Should should that be happening across the country?
26: It is happening in different areas in different states. Uh, every state is different. Uh, but it's been wonderful to see government really rally around the food sector and, and uh, support our frontline workers who do an absolutely amazing job in the stores right now. And so our, uh, our members, our industry is working with their state governments uh, to ensure there's more benefits like that coming down down the pike. And our stores are being flexible. They're working with their customers to the extent, uh, excuse me, working with their employees to the extent they can and making sure they're supporting them throughout this time.
5: And you're looking for more of those workers right now, is that right?
26: Absolutely. So we are absolutely looking for more workers, not only in our stores, but in our wholesale distribution centers as well. And this is a great opportunity for people who may be impacted, may have lost their jobs or be temporarily uh, have seen a reduction in hours. Go to your local supermarket, uh, look online, look at these wholesale distributors that are out there. They're looking for workers. We'd love to have you uh, at this time.
5: Tell me a little bit about how you're making sure those frontline workers, as you called them, are protecting themselves. Does everyone wear gloves? Are you wiping down product? Should customers be wiping down that product before they take it home?
26: So the most important thing is we're following federal, state, and local guidelines when it comes to protecting our employees, protecting our customers uh, in the store. That includes making sure that, first and foremost, if an employee is sick, they are told not to come to work. And that goes for customers, too. If you're not feeling well, please don't come in our stores. That's very important. But stores are wiping down uh, check stands. They're wiping down handles on freezers, on refrigerators, doing a deep clean uh, at night. You have seen many stores have adjusted hours, not only to allow them to restock, but allow them to do a deeper clean as well. And so uh, we're taking precautions. We're making sure that everyone uh, is safe and taken care of. And uh, we look forward to continue to serve our customers.
5: You know, bigger picture, I got to ask you: You see more people shopping online as they're avoiding going into these public spaces and into stores. Do you see this moment in time as changing the way we shop for groceries?
26: I definitely think uh, we're obviously seeing an uptick in uh, e-commerce and, and on, excuse me, in online orders, both in terms of click and collect, but also in terms of uh, delivery. And I do think we'll see an uptick uh, in that going forward. But people also do still enjoy going to their grocery store. They enjoy selecting their produce, selecting their meat, and I think that's going to continue you for some time.
5: Bottom line, the food is there. Don't panic. Buy what you need. Yes. Greg Ferrer of the National Grocers Association. Thank
6: you so much for being here. Thank you. And please join us tonight for our virtual town hall confronting coronavirus. That's at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central on all PBS stations, streaming in the PBS app and on the PBS NewsHour social channels, including YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Some of your questions will be answered by those on the front lines battling the crisis, including Dr. Anthony Fauci, who spoke about the president's decision today to fast-track some medicines in their earliest stages that are not yet proven.
28: What you do is you strike a balance between making something available to the public at the same time you do it under the auspices of a protocol And it could be a relatively loose protocol, like an expanded access protocol and even do some compassionate usage where you have a balance between getting things to people who need it. But at the same time, not just throwing drugs out there that you don't know anything about.
6: Join us tonight for confronting confronting coronavirus right here on PBS at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 central.
24: You're dirty. We think you're dirt, Paul. Who is we? The West, all the superpowers, everything you believe in, Paul. They think you're dirt, they think you're dumb, you're worthless. I'm afraid I don't understand what you're saying, sir. Oh, come on, don't bullshit me, Paul. You're the smartest man here. You got them all eating out of your hands. You could own this freaking hotel, except for one thing. You're black. You're not even
28: a nigger. You're an African. The COVID-19 pandemic may still be in its early days in sub-Saharan Africa, but the World Health Organization is now saying the region should, quote, prepare for the worst. The disease is already locally spreading there. And in countries across sub-Saharan Africa, the number of reported cases is now more than 400. This week, South Africa declared a national state of disaster and put in place drastic measures to curb the spread, including travel bans and school closures. Uganda and Ghana both imposed travel bans on the US and parts of Europe. Senegal is prohibiting public gatherings, and like elsewhere in the world, calls for social distancing are widespread.
29: We know in epidemiology that early intervention is key, and the earlier that you can intervene, the more likely you are to have an impact. Uh, Once you get many, many cases out in the population, then intervention becomes much more difficult, much more expensive.
28: And that's what we're seeing in the U.S. right now, according to Mark Laurie. He's an associate professor of epidemiology at Brown University's School of Public Health and also an honorary faculty member at the University of Cape Town School of Public Health. He says for some countries across sub-Saharan Africa, time might actually be on their side.
29: Perhaps we've uh, intervened early enough in uh, South Africa that the epidemic may not get out of control.
28: I asked Mark why the reported number of cases has been so low in sub-Saharan Africa compared with other parts of the world. And he told me that the actual number is likely much higher.
29: By definition, there are a lot of people out there who haven't been tested who are perhaps experiencing minor symptoms, symptoms that aren't severe enough to send them to a hospital or a doctor for testing. So probably in truth, the vast majority of cases that exist are cases that we actually don't know about. We know from uh, scientists around the world who estimate that for every 20 cases, there are up to 80 unconfirmed cases, meaning that in South Africa, the true number may not be 85 as reported, but something much closer to 470, 500 actual cases.
28: That is so startling. So you're saying for every 20 cases that we have confirmed infections for, they may actually be as many as 80 people who just don't know or haven't been tested?
29: Yeah, that's right, who have unconfirmed cases. And that comes from a recent article uh, published in Science Magazine just earlier this week from data from China Uh, But of course, it's early days still in Africa, and we don't know how the virus is going to behave here in a whole, whole host of different ways. For sure, it's fair to say that the reported number of cases really dwarfs the actual number of cases that exist in the population today.
28: So in South Africa, what's been the response on the ground? You're in Cape Town, is that right?
29: Yes, I'm in Cape Town. Uh, I've been here for about three weeks, and initially, um, really, there was very little talk about the the virus and the possibility of it coming to Africa. Um, It's interesting. I think a lot of people predicted that it would have arrived here much earlier, um, in large part because of the strong uh, economic ties that um, many African countries have Uh, cemented over the last uh, couple of decades with China, that would have uh, seemed to be an early indicator that we would get a lot of cases here. Uh, But in fact, that doesn't seem to have happened. Uh, However, I think a turning point happened just a couple of nights ago. By then, we had about 50 cases in the country. And South Africa's president was on TV on Sunday night on March 16th. He declared a national uh, disaster. He closed uh, half of the border posts. Uh, He restricted international travel and closed all schools until after Easter. Uh, I was out and about today on my bicycle keeping a uh, safe social uh, distance and definitely noticed a decrease in traffic. For sure, some restaurants and shops are starting to close. Big tourist attractions like uh, Robin Island and many other places are uh, shut for the foreseeable future. I think South Africa really is just starting to uh, react and respond Uh, to the epidemic. Um, The good news is that it's uh, possible and an optimist would say that South Africa perhaps intervened early enough in the epidemic uh, that they may be able to make a difference. That is that we that potentially the uh, early action uh, that happened when there were only about 50 reported cases uh, may actually stave off a, a much worse situation.
28: We're joined now from someone else who's closely following the situation from Lagos, Nigeria. Bukala Adebayo is a senior producer and reporter for CNN Africa. Bukala told us how Nigeria is responding to the outbreak.
30: As we know, Nigeria is like the most populous country on the continent. So and there's a lot of footfall from China and other countries. And it was expected that Nigeria will recall some cases. They tried to prepare... Uh, isolation centers, they were testing at airports, temperature screening, but as scientists have told us, temperature screening is not really detecting cases at the airport. So we've had few numbers, uh, majorly from people with history to travel history to the US and the UK. And that is why people are actually panicking. There's a lot of panic in Lagos because the population means that we have a higher risk of spread, of uh, transmission, and people just are worried, like, if these cases are not well managed, it could actually be a potential problem for a country that is actually highly mobile. Nigerians, Lagosians are calling on the government, please pick cases early so that we don't have a situation where Patients are detected like three or four days after they've entered the country. And interestingly, the government imposed a ban on countries that have recorded more than 1,000 coronavirus cases today.
28: Well, so so how does that, that mean, compare to other sub-Saharan uh, African countries?
30: Well, other, other sub-Saharan African countries have put in place restrictions. Um, I mean, Ethiopia has put in place restrictions. Kenya is saying... If your country has recorded a case of coronavirus, please don't come to our country. Uganda is even saying, whether you're Ugandan, you're American, or you're British, or wherever, you're Chinese, just stay where you are for now. Don't come into the country. To be fair, the health facilities in sub-Saharan Africa cannot be compared to other parts of Africa, to, to South Africa, for instance, or even to the UK or the U.S., our facilities are overstretched. So the the word now is shut all borders. That's what the people are saying. And the government, I feel like they also are reacting to this pressure and these concerns from their citizens. And they are shutting borders. Ghana has said, if your country has recorded more than 200, 200 cases of coronavirus, don't come.
28: So, Mark, what is the... Uh- break mean for the public health system in South Africa and in similar countries. We heard um, Bukhala mention the situation in Nigeria.
29: It's still much too early to tell. Um, Throughout uh, Sub-Saharan Africa and not just in South Africa, healthcare uh, systems are often stretched beyond capacity, even in the absence of What's likely to be a huge additional load. So we're already we're working at baseline with health systems that are not uh, perfect, and they're going to have trouble adapting to potential influx of uh, tens of thousands of people. Three things exist in our populations in sub-Saharan Africa that make us particularly concerned about the potential impact of this epidemic, and those are the three leading causes of death: HIV tuberculosis, and diabetes. All of those things result in weakened immune systems, and weakened immune systems are precisely what the coronavirus itself is looking for. South Africa has the largest number of people in the world infected with HIV, some 7 million people. What experts are saying is that HIV infection per se may not be a particular risk factor for poor outcomes. Uh, related to coronavirus, but what's likely is that people who are either not taking antiretroviral therapy or who have been unable to successfully adhere to antiretroviral therapy such that they have successfully suppressed the virus, what we call viral suppression, Uh, those people who are unable to do that are probably going to be at very high risk of uh, poor outcomes from coronavirus. Um, Similarly, with tuberculosis, again, this is a a disease that compromises the lungs, and compromised lungs, again, are precisely what uh, coronavirus uh, looks for. Here in South Africa, we have about 300,000 new tuberculosis cases annually and about 30,000 annual deaths. Those numbers are likely to go to be much higher in the face of the coming coronavirus epidemic. And similarly, with diabetes, which itself, you know, weakens the immune system, and so again, is the kind of perfect environment for this new coronavirus. Uh, People, in fact, with diabetes are three to four times more likely to develop TB, and it's amongst this population who have these kind of compounding health risks, HIV, tuberculosis, and diabetes, potentially two or three of those things simultaneously those are people that I would be very, very concerned about.
28: Have countries in sub-Saharan Africa learned any lessons from handling the outbreaks like Ebola that we could possibly apply to COVID-19?
29: I mean, I think the biggest lesson is intervene early. Um, uh, Those that are slow to intervene are going to have, you know, uh, significantly larger epidemics, which are going to take a bigger personal and economic toll. Those who are early to the game, who intervene before their uh, large number of cases, have the possibility of really stemming the epidemic before it really takes hold. So I think the first and foremost lesson is early intervention is most likely to save lives.
28: Mark Laurie is an associate professor of epidemiology at Brown University's School of Public Health. And Bukala Adebayo is senior producer and reporter for CNN Africa. Thank you both for joining us. Be safe.
29: Thank you. Thanks for having us.
31: Thank you very much. I would like to begin by announcing some important developments in our war against the Chinese virus.
1: Why do you keep calling this the Chinese virus? There are reports of dozens of incidents of bias against Chinese Americans in this country. Your own aide, Secretary Azar, who says he does not use this term. He says ethnicity does not cause the virus. Why do you keep using this? Because it of people comes say from it's China. Racist.
31: It's not racist at all, no, not at all. It comes from China.
32: Wow! Hey, yo, yeah. drama, hold up, sir. Hold, hold on, hold on. Stop the motherfucking record. All right. I want you to Pondy replay drama. Pondy replay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's give him one more chance, man. Run that shit the fuck back! Why do you keep using this?
6: Because it of comes say from it's China.
31: Racist. It's not racist at all. No, not at all. It comes from China. That's why. It comes from China. I and want no to be accurate. About Chinese yeah, Americans please, in this John. Country please. AIDS behind you. Well, Are you? Comfortable I have with a great. This I have great love uh, for all of the people from our country. But uh, as you know, China tried to say at one point, maybe they stopped now, that it was caused by American soldiers. That can't happen. It's not going to happen. Not as long as I'm president. Uh, It comes from China. John,
5: You've been very clear about who you think is to blame or where the origin to blame for this virus is.
31: Not think. No, no, I don't think I know where it came from. I I don't know if you'd say China's to blame. Certainly we didn't get an early run on it. It would have been helpful if we knew about it earlier. Uh, But uh, it comes from China. And uh, it's not a question about that. Nobody's questioning that. Senator
5: Cotton is saying that they should be punished, in so many words, for inflicting this on the American people. Do you feel that way about it? Well, I have a
31: lot of respect for Tom Cotton. And uh, I know exactly what he's been saying. And there are those people that say that. So we'll see what happens. Thank you. You have to do things, You you have to close parts of an economy that... Six weeks ago, were were the best they've ever been. We had the best economy we've ever had.
18: There are some, at least one, White House
31: official who
18: used the term kung flu, referring to the fact that this virus started in China. Is that acceptable? Is it wrong? Are you worried that that having this virus be uh, be talked about as as a Chinese virus that that might I wonder help, who said that, that. might his, You know who said that? that? I'm not sure the person's name, but would you condemn He's the fact? Say that
31: the, the term kung again. Flu?
18: A person at the White House used the term Kung Flu. My question is, do you think that's wrong? Kung Flu. And do you think using the term Chinese virus, that puts Asian Americans at risk, that people might target that?
31: No, not at all. I think they probably uh, would agree with it 100%. It comes comes from from China. China.
0: Yesterday, during a press briefing, President Trump doubled down on calling the coronavirus the Chinese virus. He's defended the use of the label by saying that the virus comes from China. However, the only thing that's generally agreed on by experts so far is that the first reported cases of COVID-19 were in the city of Wuhan in the eastern part of the country. The president, insisting on the name, largely ignores criticism from the Asian-American community and others that the term is racist and anti-Chinese. Asian-Americans have reported racial slurs and physical abuse as a result of China being thought of as the source of the virus that causes COVID-19. Stuart Kuo is the founder of Asian-Americans Advancing Justice Los Angeles. He joins us now to discuss what's been happening. Stuart, welcome. Thank you. Now, I'm sure you've heard the president. Uh, What's your reaction to him calling COVID-19 the Chinese virus uh, yet again?
20: Well, I was outraged by his comments and his doubling down on the uh, term Chinese virus. I think it's really part of a blame game that he's playing, but it has a very dangerous uh, effect and a dangerous diversion. From what we need to concentrate on, and that is uh,
0: our public health safety. What are the consequences of, of this particular rhetoric?
20: Well, the rhetoric fans the flames of racism, xenophobia, stereotyping. We've already seen uh, incidents where school children have been beaten up. Uh, there have been many cases of abusive behavior, uh, people being called. Uh, out, and the, the term Chinese virus is part of the uh, calling out. So we've seen uh, an uptick in these kind of hate incidents are, are all around the country, uh, not just in Los Angeles, but throughout the country. And we hope that there isn't a very serious uh, killing, but uh, we've already scene where um, Asian Americans are fearful for their lives. I had a friend who I was speaking to last week, and he uh, saw a line of people trying to buy guns, and half of them were Asian Americans. So it's really having a very disastrous effect in the country. You could call it collateral damage to this blame game, to blame China. But it's uh, very dangerous for Asian Americans, especially Chinese Americans. But uh, it's affecting Asians across the board.
0: We're talking to Stuart Kuo, founder of the of Asian Americans Advancing Justice Los Angeles, talking about the term Chinese virus. Um, Could you speak from a historical perspective? How have Asian Americans and Chinese Americans, in particular, how have they been scapegoated during times of uh, unease like this? What are the consequences uh, historically?
20: Well. We've seen historically where Asian Americans are stereotyped and grouped together. Uh, Of course, in the 1870s, Chinese were blamed for the Depression, and that ended up in the Chinese Exclusion Act in 1882 that was passed by the U.S. Congress. Uh, Of course, Japanese Americans were labeled as disloyal in the 1940s, and it ended up in the unjust incarceration of 120,000 Japanese Americans, many of whom who were citizens of the US. In recent times, we've seen the Vincent Chin killers in 1982, they targeted a Chinese American man who was supposed to be causing unemployment in the auto industry in uh, Detroit. And then, of course, in 2003, with the SARS epidemic, we saw Asians being targeted where uh, Asian businesses lost customers and Asian Americans sometimes were beaten up. So we're uh, very on edge about this kind of stereotyping. And it's a a disaster uh, for Asian Americans, but it's really a diversion from what we all need to be concentrating on, and that is our public health and safety
0: well, that's what I was about to ask you, Stuart, because thinking about what the president says and how he uses that term, the impact of dealing with the crisis that we're going through now, how does that affect that?
20: Well, you know when when he uses that term it is used in a divisive, derogatory way, and he's not going to say, oh, the Chinese vaccine or the Chinese treatment in a positive way. And yet there's so much we can learn from China and some of the countries that have gone through a few months of this horrific uh, public health crisis. Uh, For example, if you look at the news and you see the line of public health workers taking the swabs of people to test them for coronavirus, assuming they can't get the test. Um, you know, some of them just have a face mask or half a face mask. There's very few of them have a head-to-toe protective gear, but that's what they're doing in China It's head-to-toe. Everything is covered. And so there's a lot that we could learn, but if you have such negativity, you're just not going to learn from it. So it's a, it's a major opportunity lost.
0: Sure. One last thing. What is it that you want people to hear from this conversation that we're having right now to make sure that they have in their heads?
20: Well, we set up a a website, Stand Against Hatred. And so we're asking people to uh, give us their stories, to let us uh, collect the stories. We will be talking to different legislators to make sure that they stand up for Asian Americans. And we would like to connect with members of other uh, business groups and unions and et cetera, so that we can spread the word that it's just unacceptable to label a whole group and uh, in a divisive way.
0: Stuart Quo is the founder of Asian Americans Advancing Justice Los Angeles. Stuart, thanks a lot.
16: Thank you, A.
27: What a time to debut a new product. Apple brought out a new keyboard on Wednesday for its upgraded MacBook Air, a return to the traditional scissor mechanism. It's a sign that the company is abandoning the butterfly keyboard it introduced in 2015, which required extended repair programs. The company also unveiled a new iPad Pro on Wednesday, and a new iPhone model is expected later this spring. But as we know, it's not a good time to be releasing new products. Earlier this week, Apple announced that its physical stores would remain closed until further notice because of the coronavirus. And it's not clear what demand will look like in the days and months to come. Right now, though, there is a lot of demand for laptops. The other day, we spoke about Google's challenges to try to get laptops for more than a thousand employees who are now working from home. Well, big surprise, they're not the only ones. Across the U.S., the demand for laptops has skyrocketed. Unfortunately for computer makers, the surge comes after they've been struggling with disruptions in their supply chains because of the outbreak in China, which is home to many manufacturing centers.
31: It comes from China.
27: We've spoken on this podcast before about some of the technology that countries in Asia have used to control the spread of the coronavirus. Disinfecting drones, people detecting drones, fever detecting goggles, and even QR codes that tell authorities whether you're sick and where you are. Now, as the virus spreads across the U.S., government agencies here are also enacting or considering enacting similar measures that would draw on a range of tracking and surveillance technologies that are already out there. And the measures could test the limits of our personal privacy. Our reporter, Bob McMillan, is here to break it all down for us. Bob, thank you so much for joining us.
25: Hey there, pleasure to be here.
27: So... Bob, we saw the Chinese governments and other governments in Asia using surveillance technology to track the coronavirus and to track people who potentially were sick with the coronavirus. What's happening here in the U.S. right now?
25: Right now, there are some smaller companies that have uh, stepped forward to Offer services to help track the spread of the virus that are sort of envisioning themselves as partners with the the CDC uh, to give insights into who has the who has the disease, how it's spreading. Um, the best known of the the smaller companies doing this is a company called Palantir, which has contract with the CDC and has kind of helped them model uh, the the spread of disease in the past. But there are other um, more startup-sized companies that are that are coming forward. Uh, I think the big question here is there are a couple of companies that have sort of the motherlodes of of data that uh, would be helpful in these cases, but also ra- you know simultaneously raises uh, privacy questions. So this, these would be the the telco companies, Facebook and Google, and we don't know exactly how far. Uh, the government is asking these companies to go and how far they are going in providing information about the spread of disease. As you said, in China, the telco companies were were helpful when the government was trying to sort of model out who uh, was exposed to the disease and how it had, how it had been spreading. You know, that the location data that these companies have is very valuable for that. You can sort of see where people have been and you can do things like get a get a sense of who might need to be quarantined or get a sense of how the disease is spreading from that. So that's like the the, the mother load and that that is it's it's kind of Unknown what what's happening there. Now we do know that these smaller companies are offering you know similar services based on on on, on other data that they acquire. Uh, one one big source of the data that's being uh, proposed is is data from mobile apps. So when you use a mobile app, you might uh, give it a- access to your location. That uh, information is o- often um, sold to aggregators who sort of collect location data often in an anonymized form, but that data then can be used by could be used by the CDC to sort of model how people are moving and how many people are moving. Uh, one you know one app I've I've heard that's being developed is uh, is, is something that would allow uh, government agencies to to see how crowded individual locations might be. So so you know was the Trader Joe's in my neighborhood filled with people on Tuesday at noon, or is it? Or, or are these self-distancing measures we're telling everyone to engage in engage in are they working?
27: I think it, it sounds like there are a couple of uh, different ways we saw uh, that, that you're talking about there. One is anonymized data, um, basically just to be able to track the spread of the virus. We also saw you mentioned Facebook. Um, we know that on uh, Sunday there was a task force at the White House with some of these big tech companies. What do we see as the possibility right now within laws for them to collaborate with uh, the government in a similar way to uh, the way that social media was kind of used um, to track people in uh, in China.
25: Well, right now, I mean, the um, U.S. law prevents Facebook from sharing private data. Like, uh, if you post, if you made a post saying, "Hey, I've just contracted coronavirus," you know, they they would not be able to share that in a widespread way with the government. The question is whether there are a sort of emergency powers being invoked and, and what the, the implications of that will be. And I think the most likely place for those, you know, emergency powers to to be invoked is is with respect to location data. Because we've we we there's sort of a precedent for that happening in in the in criminal investigations where they have an emergency situation and they need location data. So the legal people we've spoken with Say that that would not be sort of an un- unreasonable um, ask of the government to go to you know the telcos, for example, and and say we need a bunch of location data to help track the spread of this uh, virus.
27: But even the location data could be very different, right? You could be uh, in the case that you were talking about, like a criminal investigation, is usually about finding an individual. Um, we could also imagine kind of a surveillance that was much more broad. Uh, for example, like you were talking about to figure out how many people were in a certain area at a certain time and whether or not there's going to be a new outbreak in that area as a result of kind of uh, a person coming in. So it feels like there's those are two very different uh, types of surveillance.
25: Yeah, one is one is uh, the the latter one is very widespread, you know, and that I think that's what has people concerned that in a time of crisis, we may witness a sort of a handover of a widespread surveillance capability that we've not not seen before in the United States. So, um, you know, that, that's like the the million dollar question here. We do know that, like I said, like in our as our story reports, there are a lot of um, smaller companies that are trying to use uh, surveillance type technology, uh, trying to access public data to, to, to share, uh, you know, information about how the disease might be spreading.
27: And you mentioned, you know, there are some, some concerns. Uh, you've spoken to privacy advocates. What are they saying about this?
25: Well, they're saying that they uh, want more transparency. They want to know what's going on. Uh, the uh, the CDC has not been um, transparent in telling us, you know, exactly what's happening happening with this. We, we, we know that, for example, Health and Human Services has contracts with data aggregators and we're not sure what that you know we reached out to them and tried to get them to talk about what they were doing with it with it with this and um we didn't get an answer on that so there's right now uh the you know to be fair these agencies are dealing with a big public health crisis but there is this there's this sense that there are a lot of people with data about us that are are coming forward to the government and saying hey we can help you track this pandemic and You know, the public just doesn't know what's happening.
27: This week, uh, the government came out saying that they're going to expand their telehealth uh, services for Medicare and Medicaid patients um, and allow people to be talking to their doctors on FaceTime and Skype about their conditions. Is anybody talking about the use of that data? I mean, those are obviously protected conversations by HIPAA law, um, but it does kind of occur to me that they're now those private conversations that are usually one on one in a room without a camera are now taking place online with a camera um, and and could be a source of, of aggregating data as well.
25: No, I haven't, I haven't heard about that. Um, I could tell you about one case that people are concerned about, and it, it's this. And this is something we've seen in the past. Uh, People will go on social media. You can imagine Twitter. Twitter is a very public platform um, and people will make uh, statements on social media and they'll provide information uh, during a time of crisis that they may not actually want to be in the public forever in these public data sets that these aggregators are are grabbing. So, um, you know, you might put out, uh, some medical information. You might say something about your, your, your medical condition, or you might say that you have the virus, or you might, uh, put out your phone number or even your address, uh, if you need help, uh, getting food delivered or something like that. And then uh, a year later, you, you, that you, you may want to take that back. Uh, and the problem is that if, you know, if this data is being collected and is being aggregated by third parties, it's virtually impossible to do that. So, one of the concerns that people have is that there may be data that's being put out right now in a time of crisis that uh, the people who are who are putting it out actually wouldn't want it to live in perpetuity in a database somewhere that they don't even know
27: about. Good point. That's a very good point. As people are over sharing and maybe oversharing information uh, online, something to think about for sure. All right, Bob McMillan. Thank you so much for joining us.
9: My pleasure. Context of white supremacy. Gusty Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date, Saturday, March 21st, 2020. So I have been told. Uh, before we get to any of the particulars, uh, I've said for some time. The metric is constructive information. We should not be wasting time. Time and energy is extremely important, particularly now. But that would be the case anyway under the system of white supremacy already had an emergency. All of that being said, especially now, we should not be wasting time. So if you are not getting constructive information from the context of white supremacy, Definitely switch off that dial, find some different content. Got to be lots of things you could be doing with your time and energy now. That would be a better investment than wasting time with Gus T. If you are not getting constructive information, it should be pretty constructive during these times. I mean, we cannot afford to be, you know, wasting time. Anywho, compensatory call-in. Dial in if you have thoughts, questions, observations. The number 605-313-5164. The code five six four pounds Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Number again, 605 313 Five one six four the code five six four nine four three pound. Press star six one if you would like to participate. Many things to get to Wowie What a week it has been worldwide. Number one. The triumphant return. I wish it was under better, better circumstances. Absolutely. We should have done this like, you know, last year sometime. The triumphant return of the global Sunday talk on racism. Tomorrow, that would be Sunday, March 22. The time that is that irregular time, you know, try to coordinate schedules and such. So it is at uh, 3 p.m. Eastern 2 p.m. Central, 12 noon Pacific. Racism, white supremacy is global, so it is crucial, critically important to keep that in mind when evaluating the problem of white supremacy, racism. This certainly is a time where it might be really fruitful to kind of check in, read certainly what's happening locally. Are you under curfew? Are you not under curfew? What sort of restrictions are in your area, but it's also an important time to kind of check out, see what's happening in other parts of the world. What's happening on the continent right now? What's happening in Europe right now? What's happening in so-called Asia right now? Pretty good time to try to check out things local. Dr. Wells and she would say locally, nationally, globally. We will do our part in that effort tomorrow. I am very eager to hear the perspective, what people are seeing, because they just now uh, in England invoked the lockdown like it's not a military quarantine type thing. But until like today, you could go you could still go out to the bars and get a pint, do all that. Malls were open and everything like they didn't have all that major shutdown. The schools were open and everything. They just did all of that today. That's what I mean. Like, I think it's fascinating to kind of study this, evaluate this globally and just see, get different information. What are they saying? We'll be here tomorrow. Very, very eager uh, to hear victims of white supremacy from different parts of the globe. But tune in tomorrow, 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Pacific. Uh, I will say I said it yesterday we were here for workplace racism uh, and I said, you know, hey, this is not a broadcast for spectators. This the compensatory call in is not a broadcast for spectators. Uh, This is a historic moment. This will be a moment if we survive it. Your offspring, uh, your grandchildren, when they're learning about this, schools maybe have reopened by then. And they might add, yeah, wow, you survived the great, you know, Chinese virus pandemic of 2020. Like, what was that like? And said, yes, you'll have an audio keepsake. Whammo. You can tell them right here. Check it out. Give it a listen. And uh, yeah, it was a fascinating time to study racism, white supremacy, brawls over toilet paper and lockdowns and president of the United States coming out, making racist slurs on a daily basis extraordinary times biometrics at the airport extraordinary times anyway uh, not for spectators uh, share observations thoughts uh, of what is happening what you're seeing if you have questions suggestions for victims of racism white supremacy we had a listener who she wrote on my Facebook page Uh, I think I I posted produce. I had been shopping and I had purple tomatoes and bananas, blood oranges, like lots of fresh produce. And she said, do you have any recommendations for washing produce? You know, because they're saying that uh, the Chinese virus uh, can live on surfaces for a longer period of time, which could pose a risk. Uh, so you might want to, you know, factor that in. Do you have any recommendations for produce? Uh, when we were at the Florida retreat, uh, Chef Nadira, she said that, uh, or she demonstrated, she would do a vinegar like wash, basically, and nothing too complicated. I think a lot of folks have vinegar in their house. I do. Um, where you just you a little bit vinegar and water let it soak for a few minutes and then she was doing this uh, for pesticides but I think this would probably work if you just if you have concerns if you get produce and you think it might have been fondled and you want to give it a good thorough rinsing you could probably do a little vinegar wash just let it soak for a short period and be good to go vinegar good substance to have in the house for lots of reasons cleaning food lots of things you can do with vinegar
27: Uh, let's see oh wait
9: a minute we'll be here tomorrow I said uh, we're going to try to broadcast more since people are we have a a, a literally we have a confined audience Uh, so we will try to broadcast more so we should be here tomorrow for the global Sunday talk greater relevance and then we should have a white woman here on Monday back to business as usual uh, to talk about the book uh, The Poisoned City Uh, flint and their water crisis which is interesting because now they said oh wait a minute we got a problem uh not going to shut off your water in fact uh if you owe you might have a water bill if you owe $25,000 pooey on that uh just give us 25 bucks and we'll keep your water in fact we'll turn it on now and moving forward as long as we're under this uh chinese virus just give us $25 and we'll keep your water on because this is you know emergency very important yet another illustration if they wanted to, white people could practice justice immediately. Every time for this moment for if nothing else, if we survive this, anybody else, if they say, oh, man, it'll take, you know, a billion years to end racism, you know, or, or, or at least a good hundred thousand. Fooey on that. I saw them close the borders, erase people's water bills, stop evictions like that. That. They didn't have to have a whole lot of meetings. They didn't have to go to Congress and grapple about the it stopped on a dime. Bam! No more evictions. And that's just that. Water bill is gone. Eh, $25. That's just that. Obamacare, next eh, 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 eh. Open enrollment. Open that back up. Let's go. Let's go. We can get health care for anybody who needs it. Come on in. They can practice justice right now. They just choose not to extremely important lesson i think that is a very difficult one for victims to grasp talking about myself because that was a hard mr fuller said himself he said he it was hard for him to even get that one they're like wow they like it like this (laughs) drop my notepad (laughs) they like it like this now we didn't even get to the callers yet but when we did our review of the coronavirus this week there were, I don't even remember it was so many listeners who called in who said they were around a lot of white people and it even seemed like it was some non-white people they like it like this it seemed like they had some glee ooh isn't the pandemic wow, what are we going to do get our warlike response they said the metaphor, we run towards the guns, that was one of the metaphors that was used in the state of Michigan We run towards the guns. The excitement. And that's exactly what they said in the audio segments talking about the preppers. They seemed like they were excited. Ah, this is the moment we've been waiting for. Ah, love it. Can't wait to go out and get my rifle. Ah, they had that run on ammunition, had that report this week. Oh, I'm excited. Hmm. I didn't hear. I haven't heard one report about someone who had like, I don't know. I had a thousand rolls of toilet paper because I knew this day was coming. And I've been standing out on the corner giving away one free roll of toilet paper with everyone who comes by and uh, gives me a Wuhan shake. I haven't seen that report yet. Ammunition. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Lots of those. I haven't seen one about somebody, a prepper, and they had like. A 200 gallon water tank. Hey, I am not out there losing my mind about water. We were. I haven't seen that one. Ammunition. Absolutely. Words are very important. I saw that on the front page today and it was concerning uh, the lockdowns. And they were saying that people were confused about what they greater constrictions greater confinement am i allowed to go out am i not allowed to go out where are we allowed to go they said there was confusion because of the wording that was being used words are very important they said i have heard that before i agree one of the words that was used in the report about the preppers, no less, when they said that they were all excited and you can see the glee. They said schadenfreude. I said, oh, man, context of white supremacy, man, that is a word we have used on this program to specifically describe white supremacy racism. I believe it is a German word in origin, taking glee, taking pleasure In someone else's demise. I know that word came up in the book club. During Hurricane Katrina. About Ray Nagin seeing him be arrested. And all of that. That white people were experiencing schadenfreude. Now it's white preppers. Schadenfreude. Seeing people run to beat each other over the head. For the last roll of shamans. Schadenfreude. Words are important. Back to my list. They mentioned when they were talking about South Africa, global system, they were talking about South Africa. And they said, oh, man, oh, man, it's terrible. We had to show, shut down national monuments like Robin Island. Where they kept Madiba locked for nearly 30 years. Talk about uh, social distancing. I didn't even hear any other. That's the only monument that we got. The only national monument we got in South Africa where we kept the, the Negro, uh locked for 30 years right here. And we had to close that down. Next, uh, I guess if I would give out one uh, food suggestion, uh, prep work, chickpeas. I don't know what your grocery store looks like. Uh, the grocery stores in Seattle, at least the ones that I've seen, they look better uh, this week, especially the latter half of this week. Not back to what they were like in February, but better than last, not empty shells. Uh, they don't have that in Seattle anymore like they are kind of getting back to normal where I guess people aren't hoarding as much anymore, maybe, uh, but dry chickpeas that might, I don't know if, uh, if that's something that has been hoarded or is available in your area, but that would be a good one to stockpile. I inadvertently had dry chickpeas. I inadvertently stockpiled them just because I forgot about them. I got, uh, I bought them in bulk and I bought a lot of them and I just forgot about them. And they last one of the good things about them. They last for a good while. And I was like, Oh wow. I got this huge uh, surplus of chickpeas. You can do so much with them. Uh, You can, you don't even have to cook them. If you're worried, if you're one of those folks, you don't have a solar powered oven. uh, You can just soak them overnight for 24 hours. You are ready to roll. You can use them. You can do so much with dry chickpeas. Uh, You can make falafel out of them. You can make hummus out of them. Uh, You can you can make soup out of them. You can make curry out of them. I mean, it's endless. uh, The things that you can do. Uh, with chickpea, you can make you can take the water from the chickpeas if you soak them and make fricking whipped cream. <laughs> like it is amazing what you can do with uh, chickpeas. Like dry chick, dry ones. You can get the canned ones, but they are not as versatile. You can still use them, but I mean, dry chickpeas. Like the whole. <laughs> no metaphors. You have a lot of options uh, if you get dry chickpeas as to how you would like to use them. Dry chickpeas, if they are available great option let's see the list i was going to say something about president obama in his speech i will i will i was going to say this broadcast words are very important uh whether it is the chinese virus epidemic or no words are still important this is still the compensatory call-in Please, if we could not use metaphors for this broadcast, now I can get to uh, former President Obama. Now, the comparison in that speech, a more perfect union between uh, Reverend Wright, victim of white supremacy, and his grandmother, white supremacist racist. That is exactly why I say on this broadcast, no metaphors, no analogies, no comparisons. Let's be direct. And say what it is that you're trying to articulate. There is no way that Reverend Wright, a victim of white supremacy, is equivalent. Him articulating whatever his views are, you know, damn America and all the rest of it. Him uh, expressing that that is not equivalent to his white grandmother and her black misandry. Oh, I'm scared of the black niggers. Oh he's going to rob and rape me all. (laughs) Like That is not equivalent at all. I remember thinking that when he made that comment, and that happens on a regular basis, they will take someone, they will say, oh, well, you know, uh, you, you you got white supremacists, you got Adolf Hitler, and you got Louis Farrakhan. I've heard that one on a regular basis. There is no equivalency there at all. I don't care what Minister Farrakhan has to say about Anything. Racist white supremacists, they recognize the fallacy. Uh, talk about logical fallacies. Uh, they recognize when they make those type of comparisons. That's why that's oh, love it. Love it. Absolutely. Great job. Great job, President Obama. Anywho, uh, no metaphors, no analogies, no comparisons uh, for this broadcast, specifically uh, racists They will regularly use and or endorse uh, incorrect comparisons like that. Reverend Wright is just like my racist grandma. That is Masters of Deception. Victims, we've been exposed uh, to this sort of misconduct for a long time. Uh, And many of us are still learning Uh, as such. Sometimes we just don't have logic to articulate our views Uh, and we'll substitute. We'll invoke an analogy metaphor of some sort for this broadcast. If we could speak directly, precisely, words are important. I will prompt about the metaphors. Much obliged. Uh, If we could take about five minutes to share our thoughts, observations. That'll make sure everybody gets at least one opportunity to share. Uh, I don't have children. However, I recognize that this uh, monumental moment, I mean, this will be, I think something we will certainly all remember 25 years from now, those of us who survive it. If all of us make it through Uh, 25 years from now, I suspect, Oh, yeah, I remember the Chinese virus epidemic of 2020. Oh yeah. I remember that. Uh, For parents, how has this impacted your ability to be an attempted parent? What are you telling your children? Uh, What is your anxiety level about, you know, your children, especially if you have younger children, like they're under 17 or so. Um, Yeah. What's your anxiety level about their safety? If, you know, you think they're in danger of the virus uh, or missing out on their academic uh, progress for the remainder of the school year. uh, I am very eager uh, to hear from parents and, and what you're doing, like how this is impacted your uh, code as an attempted parent. So uh, if you have offspring, uh, you cannot be a spectator. Uh, You can't just sit there. Can't be too difficult. And you're under quarantine basically. So you don't have a whole lot of options. Netflix can pause, use your phone, six, zero, five, three, one, three, Five one six four. The code five six four nine four three pound. Press star six one, if you would like to participate. Let us see. First few folks who dialed in with a hand up. If you have comments to share, line should be open. Proceed. Oh, yikes. Everybody has to uh, hang on for one second. Uh, I almost died in Virginia last year. I thought I was going to die uh, many times throughout that adventure going for the retreat. I thought I was going to die and I'm never going back to the state of Virginia again. Uh, there were a number uh, of cows listeners who were very helpful uh, in making sure I did not die and made it safely back to the best plantation in the known universe. Uh, Princess was one. Uh, who kept me from dying uh, when I initially arrived, initially arrived. Uh, Are you there, Princess? Maybe she's not muted. I see her uh, on the switchboard. I suspect she'll be able to join us at some point. Other folks, uh, while we're waiting for her. Other folks, if you have comments, questions, proceed.
33: May I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Hi, this is um, a <clears throat> black female caller from South Carolina, formerly from New York. Just two quick things. Um, three. Thank you for that uh, vegetable wash. Uh, idea. I will be doing that because I don't know who's been fondling stuff. Uh, number two. Uh, uh I'm in Columbia, South Carolina. We are on curfew beginning at 11 p.m. Um, until 6 a.m. in the morning. That was done by our governor. Um, we have a grown number of the COVID-19 cases locally. Here I am in Richland County. I spoke to someone from a uh, little town um, down the ways called Sumter, and it's been reported that they are not reporting all of the COVID cases there that the number is much higher, and I suspect it's much higher um, everywhere else. This whole testing thing remained a mystery to all of us. Um, and the third thing I wanted to report was the great state of New Jersey, um, I hear, is also on a stay-at-home order with only essential services um essential trips, essential services, uh, being um, able to leave home, and, of course, if you want to go out for groceries. And another um, entity that will be open that we feel is essential, of course, is that is not under the non-essential ban is the liquor stores, which I thought was um, interesting that liquor stores, even though all of the other businesses are closed, except for pharmacies and supermarkets, and healthcare facilities, the liquor stores are open. And that's all I had to share. I'll mute my line.
9: Oh, well, that fights the Chinese virus, you see. You need a good fifth, strong fifth. And, uh, oh, yeah, that helps to fight off the virus. Got to have the liquor store open. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Other folks that we have missed totally, uh, if you have suggestions, comments, questions, observations, feel free.
34: Hello, can I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Hi, this is Helen from New York, and following the last um, first caller's observation, also here in New York, the liquor stores are open, but the smaller mom-and-pop, I don't know another term to use, but the smaller pharmacies, they're closed. CVS and Rite Aid, Dwayne Reed, they're open, but liquor stores are open. And... um, I think that if you're, if you go to a liquor store and you become inebriated, you know, from drinking, then you're not going to be conscious about how many times you're washing your hands. You might go outside and touch other people. So I don't understand why liquor stores are open. But um, whites being who they are, they're the master of words. Um, I'm listening to the radio and they said that liquor stores are covered under beverages. That's why they're open. Um, Another observation, um, Dr. Oz prescribed regular sex for quarantined couples. I don't see how that's constructive. I don't know how to expand on that, but um, besides that, um, and uh, let me see, uh, I guess uh, that's all for my observations for now.
9: Come on. Come on. Much obliged, ma'am. Come on. They just make up. What about tips for cleaning water? How about that? Anybody got any uh, DIY uh, toilet paper? That seems like it would come a hand sanitizer. Anybody got that one? DIY hand sanitizer? That would be great. No, just sex. In fact, Gus T, I can repeat myself. On Wednesday, I repeated Mr. Fuller has in the word uh, in the code book sex no more than twice a week that would still apply now not to do exact opposite of that one i do not agree with that suggestion this is not the time hey we got all this free time let's get in the bed and we got priority and we're still under a system of racism white supremacy they're talking about biometrics at the airport like it's a lot of things to be paying attention to no more than twice a week bgq Uh, Other folks that we have not heard from at all, if you have a hand up, proceed.
17: May I be heard?
9: Greetings, Red in Ohio.
17: Hello, everyone. Hello, thank you for taking my call. Um, To, I guess, uh, continue from what the last caller had said, um, in Ohio, uh, Governor, Governor Mike DeWitt, he also um, not only uh, has been closing down so many different things. I forgot what he closed down today. I know it's been like before gyms and I think maybe, I don't know, big arenas or something else. Um, But there's also been like the whispers about, I'm sorry. uh, I don't know if whispers is a, a metaphor or not. There's also been talk of him locking down the state but on sunday last sunday he sent out a tweet when he closed when he declared all the um bars and restaurants closed except for like the ones that you could still order carry out or drive through as far as restaurants he sent out suggestions as far as still getting food you can do carry out i can actually um, read the tweet because i Screenshotted it. Um, get carry out, order delivery, purchase alcohol at the store or drive through.
6: Um,
17: and I don't know if how it is in other states, as far as it, from what I can tell from me being in Ohio and driving through to Nevada a few times, it only seems like Ohio has like the drive through, the best way to describe it is a drive through corner store. So it's like a garage that basically has like two entrances. So you can drive through, and you can get alcohol, wine, you know, snacks, all the other type of unhealthy stuff that you would get at basically like a corner store. So that's what he was referring to when he said the drive throughs So I thought that was interesting. So he can provide suggestions about that, but nothing to, like you said, with Gus, no water suggestions, no toilet paper, no nothing else. Um, as far as the clips, I thought it was interesting how the term xenophobia, it only seems like it applies to... Um, if someone who is perceived to be quote unquote American is speaking about someone who is perceived to be non American, it's always that's it's always kinda of baffled me because it's like it's 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 fine to say things about um, let's say if you're Italian, you could say things about Mexican and that's not really xenophobic or if you are uh, i don't know you know just insert another nationality you could say something about another nationality but that's fine so um I always i was thinking about that and then it's like if people are very concerned about getting the chinese virus on uh from touching different things it's kind of funny how there's now this uh need this high demand for Uh, Laptops that are going to come from China. So it's kind of like you don't know if the products that you're going to be importing from China are You know not Infected I I don't know what else I don't know the better word to say Um, And I guess I'll leave yeah, I'll leave it there. Thank you for allowing me to share
9: Much obliged uh, Red in Ohio Lots to pay attention to uh, these days in terms of what's happening uh, almost minute to minute. What's happening in your area greater. If anything, this would be another one where Mr. Fuller says we are in greater confinement. There you go. Restrictions can appear abruptly. Uh, Others that we have missed totally. Uh, If you have a hand up commentary to share observations, questions, proceed. If you got a recipe for, uh, can the, I be heard? Yes, sir. The Black African.
32: Um. Thank you for taking my call. Um. I guess yeah. The 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 coronavirus. Uh, the one thing that I guess I'm angry about is like the. I had recently moved to to the, back to the Washington D.C. area, and I was getting used. I had a schedule, and I was getting used to my schedule, and um i spent a lot of time with my offspring and um we we're doing a lot of activities <clears throat> and one of the like i would just look up activities in the city around the city and a lot of things would happen around libraries and like a couple weeks ago like that was like my thing now with my son we would go to these libraries because they would have like these activities for kids and then by the libraries they would have these like farmers markets so it was becoming like a thing, and. um I remember one one of the libraries that we went to um, when we were leaving the activities, I noticed they started this like book sale and they had like great quality books. They were selling them for like a dollar, $2. Um, I bought like four or five books. Um, one of the books that I saw there was the, um, uh, uh, was called the womanly art of breastfeeding. And it was like, it was like, so I look at it and it was like the sixth edition or something like that. So I was like, oh, wow. They've had like a whole bunch of editions of this book. And on the outside, it was sort of like these, this white, these white, it was like a white woman breastfeeding. And so I open up the book. And I'm sort of like looking through it. And it's really just, it's just, I was looking at the images and some of the words and just like the book for white women, really. And I was like, wow. And so I went on Amazon just to look. Like, I think it's now on like the ninth edition. So, I mean, just um, just thinking about you know like the activities that I was doing prior to the coronavirus hitting. Like I had a schedule going with like activities with like with me, my offspring, that kind of thing. And yeah, <clears throat> um, I guess some of the another thing with the coronavirus. Um, oh yeah, like. With like laptops and what they were talking about, China and whatnot. Um, it's like a, it's like a half. I don't know. I don't want to say half truth, but the the major supplier for like, um, uh, uh, for parts for like laptops and whatnot and like peripheral, like laptops items, like this company called Foxconn. Um, I think it, it, I think it started in Taiwan, and they moved to mainland China and I think like five years ago, they, they, they moved a lot of manufacturing out of mainland China to other parts. I mean, a lot still comes from China, but they have a lot in Vietnam and some of their biggest um, operations are in Mexico. So um, I wouldn't be worried about not being able to buy laptops or like peripheral items because they've made, plans for this like five or six years ago um yeah um let me see oh your um
8: your report
32: on so called South Africa and um I've lived through I guess what they call a pandemic or whatever um, the so called HIV AIDS pandemic and um the one thing that I guess some of the things that I, that I noticed then and now is that the true, like what I, I wouldn't know if like somebody, I don't believe that people had what they call HIV AIDS, but what I did see people like where I would say, okay, I'm seeing this person is sick, like a family member or something like that is so-called pneumonia, just like pneumonia and TB. And like, for example, I, 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 I spent some time with like family, like an aunt of mine and she got um, TB and I think the reason why maybe they didn't say she had HIV AIDS was because of her maybe like life profile, because I know that when you do the testing, you did this, this profile. So she's been married or whatever, and she had like a decent job or whatever. So she was treated for TB. So I remember we went to um, the hospital and the TB ward, and she she came back. She was healthy all of that stuff so that's something i guess to watch out for in so-called africa and um and when they were talking about diabetes i know that i think there's some kind of agreement that the u.s sets with like sub so-called sub-saharan african countries especially southern african countries where you where they they have where those countries can export certain things i think it's called a goa or something like that but i think a few years back the US said that they that part of the deal has to be that the US exports like meat products to Sub Saharan Africa. And so when I visit Sub Saharan Africa, like South Africa, Swaziland, wherever, males eat massive quantities of meat. Like <laughs> like every day, every meal, there's just massive quantities of meat a lot of alcohol. So when they were talking about the diabetes it's really almost exclusively black males. Um, yeah. So, um, I'll meet my line. Thank you.
9: Much obliged. The black African with us in Virginia for the, uh, first yoga retreat. Uh, that diet right there sounds like a recipe for diabetes and a whole lot of health problems. Uh, Diet, what you eat, is extremely important, man. Uh, other folks who are with us that we have missed totally, proceed. Um, hello.
14: This is a black female caller from Florida, I'm calling it again. Um, where I am, uh. Everything is not completely shut down, but restaurants and other things like that are um, you can take out. You can drive through. Um, I've been in my house all day. I don't plan to go out and utilize those services, but I do get all kinds of emails and updates saying, oh, free delivery and free this and that. So they are trying to promote commerce, even though they're also encouraging you to stay in. So there are some things that are open. Um, beaches started getting closed like by city level and um they were calling for the governor to request that beaches be closed down at a state level and he gave some rationale because they're still they're doing press conferences every day i didn't expect that they do one on a saturday but the president did one and then i noticed the governor did one and so we're getting press we're getting inundated with lots of news and um they were uh It was requested that the governor close down the beaches, but he gave some rationale about uh, not wanting to enforce certain things too soon because there's a certain tolerance level um, that the the general public will have. And if they enforce things too soon, people will just stop doing it and that's not effective. So he, he didn't want to allow certain public spaces to be open or to let the local cities make those, the local mayors make those decisions about whether they're going to close beaches or not. So where I am, a lot of the beaches have been closed as well and, um, things like that. Um, regarding how it affects me as an attempted parent, um, I'm just, I'm trying and it's not easy, but I'm trying to enforce like an air of seriousness with my, my son, not because, I mean, it's difficult to do for myself because, I do feel anxious, and I do try to distract myself from feeling anxious by trying to take things on a lighter note. But with my son, I want him to take things serious. And so, like, if I see him making a comment that that's joking about the situation, I try to just let him know, listen, we don't know exactly what's going on, but whatever it is, we need to just take it seriously. Um, the other day when we went out, I brought him with me. I asked him to just bring his school ID. That's the only ID he has at this point. And I said, just have it on you. I just, never, you never know, just have it on you. Um, I, I have tried to do attempted homeschooling with him um, just to try to have a schedule. It's difficult for me as well because, you know, you want to have a certain um, presentation to your child, but you yourself are feeling distracted or feeling Anxious and it's hard to stay focused, but trying, attempting to do those things um, with my son. Um, The the other thing I wanted to share was about the census. I had received the census letter in the mail um, and it was sitting there for a long time, and then I was listening to some report that said, oh, they're extending it for an additional week, I think. And those people who don't take advantage of doing the census online may expect a knock on the door. And I said, oh, I don't want that. Let me go ahead and do it online. Um, I don't know that it's mandatory to do the census, but on the envelope, it does say in a big black box, your response is required by law. So I don't know if that means that you have to do it or not, but they try to give the impression that you should. It's just a form of data collection, I'm sure. It's um, addressed from the Department of Commerce, U.S. Census Bureau, and so on. The reason why I wanted to talk about it was because it only had like four main categories, and I was surprised that, number one, under gender, they only had the two natural options. So I was like, okay, because so, I see now all these different options now for gender on other things, um, but I was surprised to see that the census still just has male, female. Under race, however, it, there are so many more options than what I remember. I have done the census before. But I can't exactly remember every single option. But there seem like so many options now. They before you get to race, they have Hispanic origin. That's a whole other category, which I've seen that before on other things. But it seemed like they have expanded the options. So under Hispanic, they had like, um, of course, they had no no Hispanic origin. Then they had specific Cuban, specific Puerto Rican. They had. Other, where, and then in parentheses, they put Spaniard, Ecuadorian, Guatemalan. So it, it was very specific. Then under race, not only did they have the option to choose, you know, white, black, Asian, all those things. They also had a box underneath with a write-in portion, and they gave suggestions underneath it. So like under black, I'm used to just black, African-American. Now they have... You can select black, and then they want you to also include whether you're Jamaican, Haitian, um, African-American. I thought that was interesting. Nigerian, I think, was one of the options. Um, I did screenshot it, but I I, I did screenshot it just because I was so surprised. Um, But I I can't access my screenshots at the moment while I'm on the phone. Um, And then... Asian was also specific. There was, a, there was, a, it said Japanese, Chinese. It was very specific, and they even had terms that I had never seen before, like Chamorro, C-H-A-M-O-R-R-O. I had to um, look that up. It's indigenous people of the Mariana Islands, including Guam. So I just thought, wow, why is it? I mean, maybe it's been that specific, but I just don't remember that from the last time I did it, where they have the portion where you can select your race in general, and then you can be more specific in a box underneath where you literally write in. Um, uh, and also you can check multiple boxes. And if you still can't find what you need, they have a box at the end that says other, and you can just write in whatever. So I just found that to be super interesting. The last thing I'll say, um, hopefully I haven't taken up too much time. The last thing I wanted to say was with all these press conferences, um, I've just been noticing the people who stand behind Trump um, one of your listeners in the past has suggested reading the 48 Laws of Power. And just observing the way the people are responding around Trump, it made me think of that book. And the very first chapter in that book talks about um, do not, like, outshine your master. And it just appears like all these people are falling in line besides the Dr. Fauci. Everybody else pens. Um, they had been Car- Carson speak today. They all defer to Trump, like no matter what they did, if they're talking about, um, you know, a new um, medication, treatment, they all say under the guidance of Trump, we did this under the guidance. of. And I just thought they keep deferring to Trump as though he is the most intelligent person to do national security, finance, health. It just seems very interesting. Like, although the book, the 48 Laws of Power, I think is is geared to a specific audience of people who already have some access to power, not black people, even though it's not geared towards, you know, black people as a target audience. I feel like just seeing how the hierarchy of white people trying to get power, the things that they do, I thought that that was... Interesting, and I know one of your callers before had mentioned trying to read that book, and I think um, uh, Mr. Clemson grad yesterday mentioned at his workplace observing a hierarchy of power as well. So it just made me think of that. And the 17th law of power I found to be interesting is um, uh, keep others in suspended terror, cultivate an air of unpredictability, and there's there's more, but. I'll just leave it at that. Like that's exactly what I feel like I'm going through suspended terror. I don't know whether this thing is real or fake or not, but I'm trying to adjust and prepare in whatever small way I can. And it just feels like that suspended terror and unpredictability. So with that, thank you for allowing me to share and I will leave the line.
9: Mm, Much obliged uh, mother in Florida. That is Great example, uh, encouraging uh children to take this seriously. We don't quite know everything that we need to know. We don't have enough information about this, so we're going to take it seriously. Excellent job. Uh mm-hmm. Other folks who di- I think they did make the second uh edition, or I don't know if it's second, but one of the later editions of the 48 Laws of Power is co-authored by 50 Cent. So that would seem to be targeting black people, maybe. Anywho. Mm-hmm. Uh, other folks that we have missed totally. If you have a hand up, Mine should be open.
18: Can I be heard?
9: Yes, ma'am.
11: Hey, um, Gus, and all the callers and listeners. Um, two things, Gus. I don't know. Um, I'm here in South Florida, in Florida, and um, did you happen to see the video that's trending with? I don't know if he's a councilman, but um, in Lake Worth, Florida, where he tried to call a meeting so that people's lights and water would not be turned off. And they actually turned people's water and lights off in the uh, Lake Worth area. I think that's like in Palm Beach, Florida. Oh, wow!
9: no, ma'am. No, ma'am.
11: Yeah, so he's trending right now. Uh, I don't know if it's trending, but it's all over Twitter and his handle is at Omari, O-M-A-R-I-J Hardy, Omari J Hardy. And they have it, you know, cause they film those uh, commissioner meetings and he's talking to the mayor who's a white woman and he, I guess, tried to call a special meeting. They refused to call the meeting. Another gentleman, Bornstein, um, there's actually an article out where he kind of bragged like, hey, we're not going to get people riled up. We're going to continue. Life is normal and you just can't do these things. Very interesting. But he got uh, back to Mr. Hardy. He got very upset. Uh I'm very upset. (laughs) Stood up, yelled. He says this is a banana republic. He used the term of banana republic that was interesting using that um, phrase. I'm like, okay, I guess that was like a crazy, well, not crazy, but um,
14: I can't think of the word, but he called
11: it a banana republic and got really upset. The white woman got up, she said, um, I had nothing to do with that, which is what white women tend to do either cry or deny all responsibility, although you're the mayor, walked out, so she's getting a lot of complaints, but she doesn't have a Twitter, but people, I guess, are flooding the line. So you can check that out. That's a really interesting video. I've seen it a few times on on the social media today. Another thing that I came across, and I've seen the article as well, is it's on Yahoo News. Federal law enforcement documents reveal white supremacist discussion discussed using coronavirus as a bioweapon. So the white supremacists are saying to put body fluid and spray it on law enforcement and in uh, Black urban neighborhoods and lick, I think as I was reading, doorknobs and spit on elevator buttons. And this was uh, back, I'm looking at the article now, Uh, really quick. Violent extremists continue to make bioterrorism a popular topic amongst themselves. Read the intelligent brief written by the Federal Protective Service, which covered the week of February 17th through the 24th. White racially motivated violent extremists have recently commented on the coronavirus, stating that it is an obligation to spread it should any of them contract the virus. So um, that is very interesting that they have been talking about attempting to use this virus as a bioterrorist um, thing. So those two things I just wanted to kind of point out to you, but that this last one I just told you, that's on Yahoo News, really easy to to find. Federal law enforcement documents reveal white supremacists discuss using coronavirus as a bioweapon. And, um, lastly, I am an attempted parent of a 12 year old son. It is very difficult, um, because I still work. I, I'm an essential, um, worker, so I'm still working. We're technically on spring break right now, so I'm not going to stress and the schools have, um, stay in contact with emails. Let us know that no schoolwork is expected. You know, if you, if they turn it in, it's not gonna be graded. Here in South Florida they've said that no testing will be done, no uh test no uh I guess FSA testing and end of year exams. I guess they won't be doing any of those. It even went on to say that if you choose to you can hold your child back. That would be very interesting. I don't know if anybody that be, would be willingly holding their child back a grade. I mean, there's a lot of um, confusion. My son's in the seventh grade, so we were just talking today about how we feel really bad for all the people who were having graduation parties, and he was reminiscing on his fifth grade party and how it was such a good time, and he does feel bad for all of his friends who are going to miss out on that experience of walking across the stage and things like that. I do have a young adult parent. I'm a young adult child here. She's 21, and we she and I had a very serious discussion. And I she's not working right now. She was working at the casino. That is very interesting as well, because she works at the local casino here. It's uh, ran by the Indians, and they were not going to close. They were still open as of Thursday. She was supposed to work on Thursday, but they canceled her shift. Um, She does waitressing there. And she said that what she received an email on Friday after there, I did see a write-up. I even emailed her the article saying that even after having a discussion with the governor, they were not going to close. But I guess after that write-up and people complain enough, I guess they did decide to close the casino. She said, uh, she, you know, as a waitress, you only get like $4 an hour with your tips. She says they sent her an email because she is part-time. They will be paying her, her, her hours at $12 an hour. So she will be getting some little check at $12 an hour. All of the other stimulus and things that they're saying they're going to do, I'm not sure she would even qualify for those. But um, it's really, really uh, confusing, not clear. My mother is a small business owner. Um, She has a beauty salon and she's just really worried Um, She's over 70. She even mentioned today about going in to work next week and doing a customer. And I'm like, you will not be going for a $50 hairdo. You know, you just, you have to hold on. I will scour the internet for all the programs that I can find to help you. And I will make sure you're not left out. Whatever is going to be available for you. As a small business owner, I will make sure I get that information to you and we get whatever forms filled out. So I'm dealing with my my mom, my children, and myself. So it like the last caller said, you're not sure yourself, you're just grabbing information from everywhere. And now the last thing I heard tonight was about the um let me I'm sorry. something about um taking away our um suspending constitutional rights did you hear about that that um some that's being put on the table suspending constitutional rights i'm not sure what that means what that looks like but just more information coming to make you very confused and frightening to say the least and on that i will mute my line thank you
9: Much obliged. Thank you for sharing, ma'am. I had I have not heard uh, that directly like uh, talk or I guess it being considered uh, about suspending uh, so-called constitutional rights, greater confinement again. Uh, It doesn't surprise me. Um, I would say I suspect a lot of folks are feeling anxious, particularly if they have children, younger children, especially. But I suspect a lot of folks are feeling very uh, anxious Uh, Right now. How could you not? Uh, Everything. All areas of people activity are in total chaos. Uh, It's difficult to uh, forget planning week to week. Uh, It's difficult to even, you know, plan moment to moment because things change so rapidly. So try as best you can uh, to engage in some self-care. If you feel yourself getting frustrated, overwhelmed, uh, just take a step back. Uh, Many folks are at home, so you should be at least in a comfortable environment. Um, if it just means taking, turn the television off, uh, I would say, especially, uh, try not to get, uh, just inundated, uh, with just watching the news or being on your phone or computer or whatever it is, or like I said, on the television, get outside, uh, I know in many places here in Seattle, it was almost 60 degrees, uh, this week. It's been sunny every day since like Monday go outside. Uh, I talked to some other cows listeners and they said it was, you know, spring weather. It was first day of spring this week. Uh, you can go outside by yourself. Uh, you can take your offspring outside, uh, and just get some fresh air. You can go for a hike. Uh, if the beach is still yet caller in Florida, one of them, uh, who was talking about the governor saying that, uh, Rick Santorum, who I said was going to win, uh, governor Santorum saying, Hey, we'll keep the beaches open and, you know, let the locals decide and that sort of thing. Um, If the beach is open or if the parks are still open, take advantage, Uh, get outside. I've seen that repeatedly where they've had health officials and so-called experts say as long as you're social distancing and you're outside, that that is fine. That's totally acceptable. It might even be good for you. Uh, Get some exercise, get some sunshine, get away from all of the gloom and doom. And, you know, China virus is going to kill us all. Get away from that for a little while, because I think that can be uh, that can be a cause of illness in and of itself to just have a constant barrage of stress and anxiety inducing reports, especially if they're not even giving you any information about what's going to happen in your area or what you need to do or things that you can do to be proactive, just rumors about, you know, things that might happen, might not happen to get you even more riled up. Like, yeah, sometimes if, if you are feeling overwhelmed and stressed, which is very probable step away, take some breaths, Get outside. Self care is very important in these days. Uh other folks that we have missed totally. If you have a hand up, proceed.
18: Can I be heard?
9: Princess, good to hear from you. Saved me in Virginia. Thought I was gonna die in the Coon Man State.
18: Good to hear from you too. Um I will just say real quick, um, uh, if in case if anybody ha- doesn't know, because I haven't called in for going on a year and a half now, um, but I will say that, um, the, my current, um, job that I'm at or my employer, um, which is in, uh, telecommunications that's, um, very prominent here in Hampton Roads, uh, they had now announced, um, since Friday of last week, um, we have been in a state of uh, what's called BCT or business uh, continuity uh, plan. Uh, So they have released about, um, um, I saw the email the other day, we have about um, 80 to 85% of our workforce now is working from home. I of course uh, am still at the brick and mortar uh, location. Um, I was going to be um, working from home, but I'm thinking um, I am going to hold out from that uh, for a particular reason uh, because of what I'm seeing um, being done and because uh, I guess they know um, my performance is real high. Um, So they have just a skeletal crew of people there that are actually physically in the building. Um, And they did announce um for our area because uh for Virginia, I believe uh we're in a um, uh, state of um, state and local emergency as they call it that um you know they you know I guess uh, Virginia power and our uh, company has uh ensured that people's uh, services won't get won't get interrupted or anything um Our company has partnered with the FCC um, with uh, an initiative that ensures that customers for the next 60 days, uh, 60 days, will um, not uh, experience any um, uh, interruptions in their services, uh, whether it's cable, internet, or phone, as long as it has been since as of uh, March 13th because that's when we got pretty much the the orders from Atlanta is what we were going to do. Um, I did see an email, I believe it was yesterday. We did have um, one of our centers in Connecticut that had an employee test positive um, for COVID-19. So I don't know what they're uh, getting ready to uh, do there and um so um as far as for people who may subscribe um to this telecommunication company uh, if you're having any issues with billing or um you know what have you um just give uh them a call and um they already have things boots on the ground and things going on to help customers who are um, in situations uh, as far as financially. Uh, So I would definitely encourage people to be proactive and take care of that, as long as your account isn't uh, past due um, uh, up until the 13th of March when they implemented this. So as long as you're current up until then, um, you can take advantage of, of what they have going on. Um, as far as, um, what they're trying to do to assist people that are, that have been impacted by the COVID-19. Um, I would, um, say also I did observe or hear on a news broadcast about, um, census takers. And i I might be ignorant about this, but I've always assumed that, um, census takers, they tend to target more so Black people in the Black community do this uh, line of work. Um, My experience from when I lived back home in Florida, um, I would just advise uh, black people to possibly skip out that on that um, for this year. Um, I had went to a few libraries because I was trying to um, do some research on something and I noticed uh, this was a predominantly black area and this library and uh, it seemed like they had a lot of uh, they were they were heavily promoting census takers in this uh local area. So I don't think it will be a good idea for black people to proactively elect to be cannon potter for whatever um these individuals have going on um or planning to do to us. Um I also would comment and say that uh, the comments that I've been hearing from, um, I guess, the governor of Florida, as well as um, in relation to Trump uh, not um, declaring or following suit to what's going on worldwide, especially in Europe, about declaring a, a national or um, nationwide lockdown. Uh, it kind of, uh, well, it actually immediately made me think of, um, you know, how they talk about the separation of church and state. You know, you gotta keep that balance. And it reminded me something of how um they talked about um as far as the Roman Empire, one of the things that they never um would tolerate is uh emperor or a Caesar. And so um at that time and um before, you know, Caesar was assassinated and stuff. 30 but seconds. the whole thing, um okay. Um I would say that um you know, it's a lot of word game that they're doing with that. Um, It's kind of coded because they know who they have to answer to. So they won't declare martial law, but they'll leave it up to the states uh to implement uh, such a plan. So that way it won't look like it's just one whole totalitarian type thing. And
9: We'll leave it there. I would say. Right at 30 seconds. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Lord. Much obliged. Good to hear from you, uh, Princess. Take excellent care. My goodness. We had a couple of folks or several folks, actually, uh, who've been saying that they had somebody who was sick or you actually said who tested positive, positive uh, for COVID-19. So, you know, self-care is super important. Uh, maximize that over everything. It was so great. That was such black self-respect a previous caller who said, you know, I'm making sure my mom is not going to be putting herself at risk uh, for $50 or some foolishness like self-care is super important uh, in terms of just making sure you are safe as possible under extremely dangerous conditions. Uh, Other folks we've missed totally. Uh, If you have a hand up proceed. Can I be heard? Greetings, retired firefighter. Lots of our Florida uh, folks this evening. Yes, sir.
2: (laughs) Yes, sir. Uh, It is, and it has been uh, for weeks uh, in and around 80 degrees in South Florida, uh, which is uh, common. Uh, I am watering my lawn uh, in the second cycle of uh, my uh, year workout. Uh, with weights on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and, uh, on Tuesday and Thursday, cardio, hitting the speed, hitting the speed bag, heavy bag, and doing some running on the treadmill. Uh, uh, DCS program has been postponed until, uh, future, uh, uh reference to, uh, the, uh, the virus. Uh, and also because it's at a uh, Miami-Dade County Public School when they have the meetings at. Uh, filed income tax, uh, at, uh, well, a place that I've been doing it at now for about 15, 20 years. Uh, the owner, uh, hires former students. He used to be a a Miami-Dade County Public School teacher. Uh, Andrew Gilliam, Mr. Gilliam, uh, there has been circulating uh, a photograph, a photograph of him, what uh, non-white black people call metaphorically butt naked, uh, on on a floor inside of some sort of place, uh, and apparently standing over him appears to be a white person, uh, apparently, that took the photograph. Uh, I, I think it has something to do with the incident that he was involved in. Uh I myself personally I am not sure. I'm not a, I'm not a photographer, but I'm not sure on whether or not the uh photograph is uh uh accurate. Uh I do understand nowadays that photographs can be uh can be uh, uh subjected to, you know, some sort of uh Uh, Tricks that I'm not aware of, Uh, but anyway, uh, they're circulating this this photograph. Uh, From my driving around the areas that I've drove around, it seems to be a calmness uh, as far as in and around uh, the areas where I've been driving at uh, in this in this part of the world. Uh, Last but not least, I don't know anyone who has the virus and I don't know anyone who knows anyone who has the virus yet. And that's the end of my report. Thank you.
9: Much obliged, retired firefighter in Florida. Uh, Let's see other folks who have dialed in that we've not heard at all, not heard from at all. If you have commentary proceed. Uh,
8: Hello. Hello, Gus, the host, and uh, and uh, call um, callers um, calling from Canada and uh, we're on lockdown now. So the prime minister was leaving the leaving the possibilities for people who are who are in foreign countries who are Canadian to come home. But but we are now on lockdown. And um, it's getting to the point where people are watching others and calling police on each other if they don't uh, do the social distancing or stay home with a 14-day period. Um, at the provincial level, they have this emergency um, protocol where if businesses are not closing there areas where, where people dying, they could have fines. So now they're putting fines out. You could be fined up to a hundred thousand dollars. And if you're a corporation it's it's ten million. And um it's just that uh it's yeah, a lot of people are staying home. More and more people are staying at home and and they're being, um, self, self, um, isolation. And, uh, I think that's it for the, for the coronavirus thing. And then I've noticed that, um, in the news media, people continue to use words that don't describe racism, but it's cloaked as racism. Like they're using words like bias. Instead of saying racism or racism is being practiced, they're still using words like xenophobia, which is also um, racism. And um, the President Trump is still relating the, the coronavirus as an Asian, as a Chinese virus. And he's saying that that's not racist. And um, I just read a tweet just uh, five minutes ago, and um, some guy tweeted to um, Trump, "Oh, if you close the border, if you if you close the border down, it's racist. If you build a wall, you don't do it fast enough." And then Trump goes, "Trump is agreeing that people are never satisfied, but at the same time." He's using language.
35: Oh my God.
8: Oh my God. he's using language that are um, inflammatory and that divide people. So, I don't know why he want to be using those kinds of those kinds of racist language when he was supposed to be going for re-election in 2020. Anyway, that's it for me. I'm going to mute my line.
9: Much obliged caller in Canada. Sorry about that. We had a little bit of background noise uh, folks can use their mute button make sure we don't have any unnecessary disruptions uh, but yet yeah, some places he said that in Canada they're on lockdown and people are snitching look at that he's not social distancing call the police can you now imagine that if you're a black person and decide you want to go out make a run for some Brussels sprouts oh the Negro is not social distancing called the- whoo and uh, four more years Four more years. You can put that performance up uh, the exchange where the reporter asked him, why do you keep calling it the Chinese virus? It's it's not racist at all. It's it's from China. Four more years. That is loop that one back. Four more years. Four more years. Four more years. Landslide in November. Other folks that we have not heard from. Thomas in New York. We had, I had lots of hands to get to hold your horses. Metaphor. I was trying to work through the hands. I saw you, sir.
36: I'm sorry, Jeff. I'm sorry, sir. Um, 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 I hear that KFC now got an article where they're stopping using the slogan finger licking good until after this coronavirus. So, you know, this is serious, you know, (laughs) Uh, They done turned off basketball, and they done affected KFC at the same time. You know, um, alcohol actually might be a good idea. Because isn't that the main ingredient inside of the um, hand sanitizer, Gus? I mean, you know, maybe we're just using it for the wrong purposes. But um, let's see. You you, you had uh, a report where someone said that, I believe it was Dr. Drew, or one of those, Dr. Oz, whoever, said that they should be having more sex during this um, whole outbreak. And I would say in 20 years, we could be hearing about the coronavirus baby boom. You know, um, white white population is declining. Um, The Defense Production Act that was signed by Trump suspends the Constitution. Um, It gives the government, under his authority, the rights to... Take a any business or car vehicle and use it for the efforts of fighting the coronavirus and also um could also force people to work you know in this effort as well um using that law you could look it up um, sort lines around the block, not for toilet people but for parents trying to get routers and laptops from the public school system cause they don't have any and they're supposed to be starting homeschooling on Monday. Um, total catastrophe. Uh, and they weren't social distancing either. They was too many, too many people to social distance. I mean, it was a pretty tight line. Um, I didn't see anyone getting arrested and, um, more than half the school students in New York city on Monday are not equipped to go online, take classes. Um, so, for no other reason other than the fact that they're not white, poor, poverty um, in a city that brought home over eight point one point eight trillion dollars last year and bragged about their gross domestic product, uh, which is banking. I mean, this could easily have been solved. I mean, they just gave up two trillion dollars um, for, <laughs> for a virus that I don't know anyone with. And on uh, VGQ, this is all bogus to me a big payday everybody on wall street's getting billed out anyone who could claim that they had any effects of this coronavirus from the airline industry hotel fast food anyone that's it they're getting paid including landlords and on top of that any doctor if you come in with a common cold or, flu, or bronchitis right now you'll be a fool not to get the bump up they call it coronavirus. I mean, the government said they paying for it. You know, they, everyone's going to get paid. Gonna make it look real. Um, now, as for Donald Trump, Gus, you know, got to appreciate Donald Trump. I wish all white people was as direct and blunt as Donald Trump is. Because um, he's honest. That's why I like him. He's honest. He's the most honest white politician I've ever seen in my life. Um, he has done it to the Mexicans, the Puerto Ricans, now the Asians. <laughs> no one gets a pass with Donald Trump, okay? So, I love it. Um, he has not blatantly disrespected us as of yet. However, he did get the NFL play. He called them sons of bitches. But, um, but either way, I do recall, um, a couple years ago, um, Asians marching in the streets for the rights to gun down a black man just like a white cop can um, a car gill so that's my thoughts about them So you get what you get you're still not going to be white um, the Obama speech you know he has a point in that speech though Gus I think white children are getting better than their parents at practicing racism though. Um, It's just so much better, so much easier with the Internet. I mean, they all the information of the world at their fingertips. Um, The preppers. I know some black preppers. um, The preppers seem to focus on the economic collapse or dealing with natural disasters. And they have good information. You know, store dry food, water. You know, these straws that, all these pellets that, filter water and you know buy gold and silver um but these are these are one of the two things that you just can't prepare for you know you can't prepare for um you getting sick or your your child getting sick and knowing that if you go to touch your child you're gonna get sick i mean how do you prepare for that you know it's it's nothing you're gonna do prepare for that and of course the other thing you can't prepare for is a race riot okay you drop in your gold, your silver, you run it, okay? You're not, once they drop the cruise missile on your neighbor's house, you're out the back door. You're not, you're not thinking about your straws and your backpack with your rope. You know, ain't going to go down. Um, the Africans, I think they're taking an interesting approach, uh, very stern, you know, like they can enforce who comes into Africa. Um, but the white supremacists could say next time they get an epidemic in Africa, Well, I don't think we're going to go over there. (laughs) You didn't want us to go over there, remember? You didn't want to, you know, so they, I I would be very careful because they're very susceptible to this. Um, Surveillance technology clip played um, to track the coronavirus in Singapore. Now, um, usually when they have their facial recognition technology, as you walk past the camera, it picks up the different faces, puts them in boxes, and then it puts their name up above the name but they had this extra filter, so it it gave not only that aspect, but one that was like in the infrared of the person, and it told you their temperature as they was walking past as well, and I said, oh, shoot, they could tell you temperature from the camera. I said, oh, man. So, um, yeah, they're real sophisticated, and uh, Singapore, the most advanced country in the world, as far as technology, that they implement on their people, but Totally blew my mind, cause bad bad example. Totally um, showed how proficient um, this technology that white supremacists ultimately created is, and um, I can see the future us being being um. You can't go back to work unless you've taken your your vaccination, and you know if you got a fever this high, you can't go into the the, the bus or get on the train, you know. So um, this is where we're headed. Um, but as far as this virus, I still don't know anyone with it and I don't know anyone. I haven't seen people, um, throwing up on the streets. I haven't seen people passed out. Like the pictures that they said were from China and Iran. Haven't seen any of that. I see people playing basketball and just been a regular thing, but we'll see. Keep my mind, guys.
9: Much obliged. Thomas in New York. Let's see uh trying to be there oh truck driver in houston sorry about that guy you were going you going to finish speaking oh much obliged sir proceed
3: and um um besides toilet paper and um hand sanitizers and um uh being um you know wiped off the shelf um uh, i don't know if we're going to some type of war or something but um it seems like um there's no um there's no bullets left on the shells neither so i don't know if um you know white people are going to shoot the virus out the sky or or what but um yeah it's just it's nowhere nowhere you go you can find it. there um there's no ammunition, no bullets um left um almost in the city of Houston, no matter what store you go to and um I went to the gun range this morning and um, uh, saw a uh, um older white gentleman purchasing an, an automatic assault rifle with a scope and looked like a shell catcher on the end of it um as far as I am an attempted parent um like the um the female caller said earlier it is a little harder to get um to get the teenagers um to i guess take this take this thing seriously because i'm having trouble with mine as well um however i did notice that um that if you had a a child um when you were more confused and um you didn't you didn't start changing your your um the way you see racism, white supremacy, until they got older, it's kind of hard for them to, I guess, readjust to your new way of thinking by you, you know, showing them a, a different version of you um, as they grew, as they're growing up. So um, I think that's the, the one of the real reasons why it's a little bit harder for, um, you know, um, teenagers to take it seriously. But you know, how like you said earlier um but before that, if um you know have a plan, you know make sure you you and your your um your attempted spouse has a great understanding of racism before you lay down and have kids, because that way, as they get older it'll just it'll just go as smooth as possible. Um, raising them as far as their, their understanding of racism, white
9: supremacy. And that's all I have. Much obliged, sir. Thank you for sharing. So glad to hear from attentive parents. Uh, and I, it's not just children. It's a lot of adults that, you know, are not taking this particularly serious. Um, we had a, a listener. She sent me a photograph. Uh, there was a beach uh, close to her area that was not closed and it was not empty and it was not black children, it was not victims of racism, it was lots of whites, they were out, Dr. Wellsing out getting their suntan, even in the midst of a uh, viral apocalypse, had their suntan lotion, and so, you know, now, I mean, hey, maybe they were six feet apart, so maybe they were social distancing and tanning, but we did just hear folks saying, hey, the beaches should be closed, statewide in Florida, I think we did just hear that from a listener, but anyway, Uh, Much obliged to the parents for sharing, and it seems a lot of folks are not taking this serious. Uh, Other folks that we missed totally. There was a female caller, I thought. uh, Did you have commentary? Cut
18: me off too
9: soon. I hear you, Princess, but there was a female caller that we missed totally. (laughs) I'm just
35: messing with you. Hello? Yes, ma'am. Oh, I'm sorry I have to yell because I'm, I'm at work so I have to yell into the personal computer um, I even sent an email yesterday saying I was working from home I helped people with the taxes and they all got the memo about the extension because i work worked every Saturday for about 9 weeks and this is the slowest Saturday I've ever seen so everybody got the memo about that um, Every I went to the store today because I just wanted to get some stuff from the store I guess There was some toilet paper. But here in the South, I guess they ran out of grits. Grits are super important. I have mine already, so I wasn't, I didn't miss any. Um, I don't, I try to keep up with what the president, the announcements from the president, because that's usually where everything stems from. So I try to look at those. But again, because I'm working from home, nothing for me has really changed. I go across the hall, do my job. Go back across the hall and do my other stuff. i probably, um, go outside and garden. I need to. I think if I say it to more people, I'll actually do it because somebody asked, did you do that? Um, and, cause it has stuff. So this is important. If you don't know how to grow your own food and stuff, you need to be mindful of that. Um, this, if you have the ability to start, this might be a good time because you never know. When things were going away and also with the, especially with the food supply, I'm expecting another price increase like in 2008 with the oil because, oh, the food is scarce and this, that and the other. So I will look forward to after this is over, prices of things rising. So if you're able to get things on sale and you can go outside, you know, get some things. And I agree with Thomas about the, I guess the treat. Not that you should treat people bad, but I don't really feel bad because I always think of Peter Liang when they say something about Asian people. That's just on my mind forever now. And I read, a, I read the article the un, the young lady talked about about the white supremacists, and I also read another article. I think someone talked about how liquor stores are mandatory, which I don't see, but whatever. Um, everything else here for me personally is okay, no big problems, and hope you all stay safe.
9: Back to work. Much obliged. Thank you for sharing, ma'am. Back to work. Back to work. Alcohol can be used as a sanitizer. They did say, because Thomas was talking about that, they did say a number of uh, distilleries have switched over and began uh, to make hand sanitizers. So you know, I guess if you. Sobriety would be best and you have a fifth on hand and they don't have hand sanitizer. There you go. What uh, if
18: you have large pores? <sighs> I'm just saying. Something to think
9: about. Other folks that we have missed totally. If you have commentary to share, line should be open. Uh, please don't wait till the last minute because we only have like... Hmm, 10 minutes or so, uh, left in the program. So if we missed you totally, uh, speak up. Don't wait till the last moment.
19: Yeah. I'll be hurt.
16: I'll
9: oh, go ahead,
20: sir.
19: Yes. I appreciate that. Uh, greetings to Gus, the host, the listeners and callers. i uh, just a few things. Um, uh, what I've noticed about, Uh, there was one particular case here in our county where uh they just labeled it a female worker at a daycare older b kids was uh tested positive for COVID 19 and that uh i noticed the other well all of the cases that have been reported they're just only naming the age and the gender and i find that interesting Uh, that I'm thinking that in many cases it may be white people just a guess but I do think there are non-white people being affected but I'm wondering if this were a lot of uh, darker people I wonder if they would be uh, in some way shape or form showing a racial classification that's just been a guess or you know some thoughts of mine and as far as the audio segments, there was a metaphor that was used, I think, when they were using the term preppers and survivalists. Um, The guy said that some of these survivalists were ironing out the kinks, I guess, of their plans or whatever strategies they had. And I thought about the code book. Um, And as far as the the president, I do agree. He does a, a phenomenal job being directly racist and, and I just think that overall uh, the white supremacists are great at manipulating the subjugated non-white groups and making it appear that they can be racist toward each other. Cause I saw the uh, video of the black male spraying Lysol on a non-white so-called Asian And they have the power to, uh, put that kind of propaganda out there. Uh, and I noticed that the terms that are being used as well, they don't seem to have these same words used for white people. Like the word preppers, I think they're going to use that for white people, survivalist, patriot, you know, brave hero, American. Those words are attributed to white people,
8: um,
19: and just one last thing is that I'm noticing when it comes to when they're talking about the mistreatment of the people who are classified as Asian, they're specifically naming Asian. Now, when, you know, when it came to Colin Kaepernick and the NFL players and players that were doing the kneeling, and the term people of color was used, and now this is something that affects uh, black people. And the mistreatment that we face from law enforcement, but this—the term Asian American—is being more uh, specifically used in this situation. The term "people of color" isn't even being added as a secondary term. If anybody listened to these reports, um, and and that's all I want to share. Thanks for allowing me to speak.
9: Much obliged caller in Florida. That is a good cause they will say xenophobia against Asian Americans and Chinese Americans, that sort of thing. Good point. Uh Henry in Chicago, thank you for your patience.
16: All right. Uh greens, Gus and the greens to all the callers and listeners. Um <clears throat> Illinois has uh implemented also to a stay at home order uh starting today. Uh Basically, it's just, uh, you know, if you don't have to go out for non-essential stuff like groceries and hospital visits uh, and uh, also liquor store runs, (laughs) they they suggest that you stay at home. Um, But I don't think any drastic measures yet have been implemented in regards to, okay, if you're going out for, you know, a party or something like that and the police stop you, uh, then, you know, you... I don't know if they're going to, you know, cite you or anything like that. But uh, I do know that uh, there are people who are working like uh, essential workers, uh, like first responders. Uh, They have been given notice, you know, or they have been given notes that if, you know, if law enforcement or somebody stops you, then they have to show them these like letters that they've been given uh, stating that, uh, you know, they work at a hospital or they work at, you know, they work at a, you know, uh, police department or whatever, uh, people that need to, you know, work during this time or, or at the grocery store. So I, I, I do know that there are some people who have been given these notes, uh, which is kind of strange if, you know, uh, martial law or curfews have not been implemented yet. Uh, I find it interesting, uh, going to the store the past couple of days. I find it interesting looking at the items that have been sold out and some of the items that were still left on the shelf, like I remember the first couple of days uh when this uh when this whole thing started to to hit was you know all the hand sanitizers were you know being sold out paper toy you know paper toilets, but then I look on the shelves and hand soap is still available so i I didn't understand that. Uh, Also, too, uh, you know, bottled water is being, you know, uh, bought out, you know, by everybody. But, you know, I go and I still see water filters on the shelves. And uh, that's actually what I did. I just bought me a, I just bought like a like water filter and I have a water filter that lasts for about six months now. So uh, I didn't understand why people didn't go after the water filters and started going after bottled water, but, you know. I don't know uh, so when you're uh talking about uh essential uh essential uh oh no or what I want to also talk about was the uh the uh the virus uh uh the, co- the COVID virus uh, in Africa you played a, a a clip on that, and uh one of the things now I'm not a microbiologist, but somebody correct me if I'm wrong. One of the reasons why it's not as prevalent, I mean, there are cases in Africa, but it, uh, one of the reasons why it, it is not as prevalent is from my understanding. And like I said, correct me if I'm wrong, but, uh, viruses have a short shelf life in warm and, uh, in warm and, uh, humid conditions and this is why Africa is not as susceptible to the virus in some areas of Africa, not susceptible to the virus of it because I know like there are, there are flu seasons that happen in the wintertime because of the fact that, uh uh, you know, you got dry air and everything. And I think this is why like places like New York and Washington, you know, they have, you know, high cases of, uh, virus, but I, like I said, I could be wrong. Like I said, I'm not a microbiologist, but, uh you know that was my understanding of it so uh but that's all i had
9: on my line much obliged uh henry in chicago did we miss anybody so we are uh right at the edge did we anybody with a hand up that we did not hear from at all spectacular. I think we got through everybody on the line. Were there any parents who had anything else they wanted to get in? Because I do think that's uh, I mean, schools, I mean, they've closed schools indefinitely in some places. We heard from different folks in different areas talking about the lack of laptops and tablets and things because class is going to be online now and so you got a lot of uh, children, non-white children who don't have access uh, to these now really essential tools uh, for learning Uh, and so, and again, system of racism, like they could have tablets today. (laughs) Like that is not something they could have drones. They were talking about that in the clip. They had, uh, drones that were going out with antiseptic and things doing disinfecting. They could have drones doing the uh, deliveries, tablets, just dropping them. No contact necessary. Uh, did any other parents have any comments or anybody with, with other uh, remarks they wanted to get in as we conclude? Hi guys. Um, Oh, go ahead.
11: I just wanted to tell you, too, um, my, I do have some family that's here from Canada. My um, aunt and uncle, they drove down. So they've been here for about a month now down in South Florida. And my aunt told me today that they were going to be headed back. And I'm like, you know, auntie, are you guys sure? Is that a good idea? You know, you got to check for hotels being open on the way back and things of that nature. And um, her thing to me was that her family, um, our family in Canada was telling her to come back because the Canadian government is saying that if they were to get sick here, they will not cover them. They're not covered medically. They will not assist them. And that since they've been talking about closing the border, they have enough time to come home so that the borders are closing. So I where are the borders closing to Canadian residents or is it for Americans trying to come over? And she she said it was just for Americans trying to come over, but not Canadian citizens, but she really wasn't sure. So I don't know if you've heard anything about that. I'll continue to look for information for her. But that is, um, she's here now, and they want to leave next Wednesday to head back up to Canada.
9: Mm. The wow with that the same thing that I said about the retreat like things are changing so rapidly that uh, with the retreat I was like man we'll have to check in in 30 days and see like what's what and then we can make a plan from there Uh, with that like I'm pretty sure they closed the border uh, for US citizens and all the rest of it and I think I may have even seen you know I wouldn't Wager a ransom, but I may have seen a report where they were even there was at least a caution for uh Canadian cis- citizens, it may have been to stay put. Um, by the time I mean, Wednesday is a long time, like wow, but I mean now like 15 minutes is a long time, like who knows uh what it could be. Like, I would check, I would not want to risk getting at the border and it being a nope, sorry, you can't come through. Like I just said, they got biometrics and all the rest of it. So, I mean, if you're not going to go like right now, if you're not leaving until Wednesday, I would check uh, daily until then just to see, because like I said, I may have seen reports where it was, you know getting to be that type of thing where even citizens were not allowing you back which is super irregular like i said i don't this is worse than 911 i don't remember this even for 911 where citizens were having difficulty getting back into their own country um, let's see uh was that henry in chicago did you speak up sometime uh
16: yeah real r- real quick uh my daughter uh while she's out of school uh she's actually doing e-learning uh, but the thing is, is that she goes to a private school, and uh, here in Illinois, uh, Chicago public schools and all the other public schools in uh, Illinois, uh, actually by law, the teachers are not required, or I think they're, they are—they—they can't have contact with the children during this time because these are not instructional times, so they cannot like grade them. Uh, on anything uh in regards to this because uh because of the fact that these are not going to be made up days uh, here in illinois they are they are they are under law called uh, 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 act of god days that's what they call it because of the fact that this is something that was a uh, natural disaster or something like that so I find that weird about you know how that uh how that is affected, and also too, I think I mentioned this yesterday that uh, Illinois, uh, schools have been shut down in, at least until April 7th, but CPS, Chicago public schools have been shut down until April 20th. So I don't know what's going on with, with that as well, but, uh, that's all I have right now.
9: Much, um, hello? much obliged Henry in Chicago. Um, uh, yes, ma'am. I, yes, ma'am. Did you,
7: did you have comments
14: I just wanted to quickly clarify about the census. Um, I agree with your caller earlier. I, I'm not encouraging or discouraging people to take the census. I just took it out of curiosity, and I filed W-2 and all kinds of other forms. I figure they have whatever information they want on me already, so I took it. And I just wanted to share the information about the racial class categories because I find that we're, you know, while we're distracted. With coronavirus, there might be other things going on, and I just wanted to share um, those, that information about this mention. But I'm not promoting it, you know, BGQ. I just wanted to share.
9: Much obliged, much obliged. Those racial classifications can talk about confusion. You can check multiple boxes and all that, and I did think that was important that they didn't have all that confusion about gender where you could check. They didn't say you could check male and female. They didn't have a box for other, if you want to put intersex and all the uh, male, female, race. Oh, yeah. And no Jewish. Well, let's see, that's not a race. There was no
14: Jewish on there either.
9: Not a racial classification. I guess you could put that in other, but that's not a racial classification. So I guess they didn't get that. They didn't get that zany with their classifications. But, uh, yeah, more to come. You can check multiple boxes and all. Uh, did we have anybody else? Final comment to get in? Parent or... Anything else before we wrap up? Take one more.
8: Hey, hey guys, can I say something?
9: Last comment.
8: Okay. Um, someone was asking if the Canadian border is closed, and it is closed. Um, so I other um, it looks like it's closed as of Friday night midnight. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I, I'm. This is what I'm looking at. It says that it's closed but if i were you i would still go do research to find out if that's clear or not but since last update was march 20th 2020 and it's clo- um it's closures by country so canada 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 On March 16th, the Canadian announced it was closing its borders and denying entry to anyone who's not Canadian citizen or permanent resident except for immediate family members of Canada, Canadian citizens. Uh, So most international flights to Canada will be direct through an airport starting March 18th. So I don't know. This doesn't really tell me anything.
9: Hmm. All right. That's it. It'll be updated you know, probably 15 times between now and Wednesday anyway. So there'll be lots of new information to try to decipher uh, between now and then. But, yeah, that's my understanding that the Canadian border is closed. Um, And even if I was a Canadian citizen at this point, if I was not in Canada, I would have some anxiety uh, about whether or not I would be allowed back through. Um, Yeah, I would check frequently. Yes, Yes, ma'am.
18: Yes, can I make a quick uh suggestion?
9: 30 seconds.
18: Hello. Oh, okay. I would highly recommend folks to invest in a steam cleaner. Um you can also uh if at any point we run out of soap, uh you can use antiseptic wash, what they use for pre and post-op surgery. Uh you could buy it in bulk. Um they still have it available and also um start using uh germicidal uh bleach. Uh you can find that at um Home Depot or Lowe's or any other mom and pop uh tool store or whatever if they haven't bought it out already. Mm. It's something that I've always used, so
9: awesome. Awesome. Great suggestions. Thanks to have uh, on hand, as we you know try to figure out the best way to get through this, uh, I would say counter racism code universal man universal woman is about uh helping those who need the most help uh if there are other victims around you, if you have older relatives or you know just other victims period uh around you uh if you have the ability to check in see if they Do they need some tips on, you know, having cleaning materials, uh, cleaning their produce or whatever it might be, or making sure that their doorknobs and things are clean uh, in their residence? Uh, Help them out. Uh, If they need toilet paper. If you, you know, were able to bulk up and and your toilet paper inventory is looking lovely uh, for the rest of the calendar year, then, hey, if they need two rolls, pfft two rolls. now I have 248 rolls. No problem. Here's two rolls. Let's see if we can get you to the store sometime soon. So you can bulk up, but yeah, try to check out that is universal man, universal woman. You can do that in social distance. Probably you can leave two rolls of toilet paper at the front door and run. That's it. Uh, We will be here tomorrow. Global Sunday talk on racism should have been back before, but man, Uh, Will be, uh, I think, super informative uh, to hear, you know, what what are they seeing in different parts of the world? And then we can contrast that is a very important part of learning uh, comparison, contrast uh, to hear. What are they seeing? What are they being told? What are their observations uh, around the world Uh, since this is a global pandemic? uh, That'll be tomorrow, uh, 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Pacific. And we'll be here Monday as well. Uh, We'll have uh, the author of the book Poison City uh, about the chemical and biological warfare in Flint, Michigan, uh, where they are now. Hey, throw that water bill in the trash. Got to have water. We got the Chinese virus. Everybody needs water. Chinese virus has changed everything. Scrap the water bill and we'll just move forward as best we can. They could have done that a long time ago. Anyway, that'll be Monday and we'll be back to normal time 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific for Monday. Anywho. Much obliged for everyone uh, participating. I hope it was worthy of your Saturday evening Uh, under emergency conditions. uh, We could have been doing lots of other things. We could have been working on, you know, do-it-yourself sanitizer or cleaning things or, you know, trying to figure out what our toilet paper inventory, lots of serious things. What are we going to tell our children? Do we have an academic plan in place uh, for the next month or two months if they're going to be out for the rest of the year? I mean, we got lots and lots of things to do to think about to try to figure out Uh, so time and energy uh, is really priceless Uh, should always be thinking that way but especially now so value your time and energy sobriety would be best Uh, we got the viral apocalypse and the liquor store is still open come on Unless you're going there and that is a part of the recipe for the do-it-yourself hand sanitizer and you can go there and get like a really cheap gallon of like grain alcohol or something and then you can use that to make like 120 gallons of hand sanitizer, well then right on. That's excellent use of the liquor store. But other than that, sobriety would be best under condition that you might be able to do that (laughs) I'm thinking about you probably could do that get like a gallon of really cheap grain alcohol and whammo you could probably make about 120 gallons of uh, some kind of cleaning solution I'll have to check to see for that anyway uh, other than sobriety we are not going to be burning up the cell phone and wasting time uh, in all of this sobriety would be best if you are going to be at well I guess you shouldn't be in the vehicle right we should be uh, at home Thinking of recipes, cooking, figuring out how to clean produce. You shouldn't be in the vehicle, I reckon. But if you are, uh, you should be buckled up, uh, I reckon. And I guess now you should have your papers uh, to justify where you're going. If you're an essentially employee uh, or whatever it is, have your paperwork uh, at hand uh, in these dangerous days and times. Uh, being sober, being buckled, having proper paperwork. And if you're driving, you are not on the cell phone. Uh, You do not, under these conditions where you got folks who are elated and just got brand new firearms and brand new ammunition that they are literally itching to try out. You do not want to give any unnecessary reasons to, yes, I need to come and mess with a black person. I can't get at a Chinaman who is responsible for all this, but we got negros aplenty. We'll go mess with them. It looks like he's on a phone. That's a reason enough. another black person. It has been time. Replace white supremacy with justice immediately. Cow signing out. Thanks all for tuning in.
4: Nigga, you so brainwashed. I'm a victim, brother. you a victim. Yeah. Shut I'm up. a victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Mm-hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. <laughs>